Hello, everyone, and welcome to State of the Realm, your weekly Final Fantasy XIV podcast. This week, we're talking raids. There's not much else to say. We're just going to be talking about this raid here, reflecting on Shadowbringers raids altogether, and hopefully looking into the future, talk a little bit about uh, some extra Savage prog we're going to get, and of course, Ultimate, which still has to round itself out for the expansion. With that, we're going to need some people to talk about it. I'm one of your hosts, Mr. Happy. Of course, joining me is Sly, our pug lord of, of the group, because he wants to suffer, and I don't know why. How you doing, Sly? I hate myself. <laughs> That's going in the 2020 clips for State of the Realm. Uh, you can't see him giving me a thumbs up, but he is very happily giving me a thumbs up while smiling, saying he hates himself. Uh, now, while Sly and I could talk about the raids by ourselves, that wouldn't be nearly as fun as having some world-first quality uh, raiders with us to talk about it. So, bringing on some guests we've had on the show before. First, we have Sphia. How you doing, Banana Man? So an alright. It is uh, early morning today, so forgive me if I'm a little sleepy right now. I don't blame you at all. I actually thank you even more for making time for the show, because uh, I asked you to pick a time, and you picked the earlier time, because you're going to be busy later. Yep. Fun times, fun times. <laughs> and, uh, we, yes. and we also have Keo, Keonu, who I almost always call Keona, because he's got his, it's weird, he's got character name, Twitter name, it's, it's I don't, just Keo. Kyo is easier. It's way easier. Hi, Kyo. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Ah, doing swell. Thank you. A little less tired than Svee, but tired nonetheless. Tired nonetheless. <laughs> well, I appreciate both of you coming on for the day. I'm probably going to be messing around with the audio settings a little bit while we're going throughout the show, just because I want to make sure I get everything right, moving things up and down, and uh, just letting everyone know. Because for that, for some reason, Kyo, you... You projected a lot harder on that than you did during pre-show. You went from pre-show mode to show mode. So I had to, I had to, I had to knock you down a peg a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> you went from, okay, chill, chill. Okay, now I got to, right, got to, all right, professional time. Oh, and then I did that. All right, perfect. All right, well, before we get started on this conversation, we do have sponsors to thank. Our normal short sponsor list for this episode, no additional sponsors or anything like we've had the past couple weeks. Steel Series, of course. Giveaways every month, discount code in the description of the YouTube video, and bananas in the chat, apparently, as I'm seeing right now. Uh, that has nothing. Wait, we got a dull sponsorship? No, Steel Series bananas. Can I get banana headphones? Just literally, it's just two bananas that just stretch like this uh, with ear cups on the end. Uh, I thought we got sponsored by Dole for a second. Jesus. No, no Dole's. Just, just Steel Series. Sorry. It's just, it's just Steel Series. And I see bananas. Oh. All right. And uh, thank you to them for sponsoring. Uh, I need to actually pull a winner for a giveaway, so I'll probably do that by the end of the show. And then the next giveaway will go under this YouTube video for uh, for the end of the year for a little New Year's giveaway on top of that. Um, and also thank you to our patrons whose names are scrolling in the top right. Uh, we'll give them an extended shout-out a little bit later, but thank you to them all the same. Okay. Mm-hmm. we got a lot to talk about. This, this tier is, I feel, for the right reasons, the most discussed tier that we've had thus far in the first couple of weeks. I don't know if that's because of it being the last tier rating for the expansion or because of the quality of the tier. So that's what we're going to get down to the bottom of. So, Kyo, Sphia, Sly, and I have had plenty of time to talk about it through the last couple of shows, through our lore show, through our, our overview show. Um, how about each of you uh, give us your overall perspective, Sphia from a DPS a DPS perspective and Keo from a healer. Uh, Keo, we'll start with you because we always have DPS on the show. So let's get a healer perspective. So you want the overall, huh? Yeah, just to, before mm-hmm. going too in-depth, 
just give us just as a healer this versus the other tiers versus your other experiences. So this was I, I had a lot of compliments for this tier, especially like not only right when we finished the progression, but also after you know a week of sort of mulling it over and watching other groups progress. As is tradition, we always watch the other groups progress through Twitch and whatnot. And um, I had a lot of compliments for this tier in terms of keeping a healer busy. It feels like the the, the the designers of the raid tier are really getting a handle on keeping us active throughout the whole time. We're never sitting there glaring for like 30 seconds straight waiting for a mechanic to happen anymore, which was happening in the previous tiers. And it just, it just feels a lot more active. It feels more engaged pretty much the whole fight long, all four fights, which is great. Thank you. You got real loud. I keep trying to turn you down. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm and, sorry. And Discord's, not, Discord's not even listening to me, I don't think. I don't think it's actually changing your volume. <laughs> oh, oh, you know why? I was clicking on Sphia the whole time. That'll do the trick. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. I was actually raising, lowering Sphia. Okay, now now try speaking one more time. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep the same energy level, so hopefully it keeps the <laughs> no. same volume. Hey, you know what? Yeah, I can, no, I can always fix it. Don't worry. I'm <laughs> <laughs> All right. Apologies yeah. for the uh, inconsistencies. Well, it probably would have helped if I was clicking the right person's name the whole time as I was modifying the volume. I was like, why is it not going down? This is so weird. Oh, man. Then Sphia would have said something about, okay, so what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I had it down to like 11%. I was like, you literally wouldn't have been able to hear it. Um, okay, that's good. Yeah, because I know that uh, healers haven't been a super big fan of Shadowbringers in particular, because all the DPS rotations are basically non-existent, and then on top of that, they weren't keeping them busy enough. So you think this tier is busy enough, at the very least? So I could cite a couple of examples in particular. Yeah. There's there's some really good examples I have for you. So um, in, in particular, in verse, if you think about healing in Iconoclasm in particular, the um, Idol of Darkness fight, there's lots of sections, not least of all at the very beginning where you're just doing a whole bunch of dancing and there's no damage. And then the tank buster happens, they involve it. So there's no healing. And then there's just more dancing and just autos. And then like the fir- finally they do um, Betwixt Worlds and it's like, oh, there's raid damage. I haven't seen this before. You know, aside from like the very, very first empty wave, which is usually all pre-cast stuff that heals it anyway. So there's just a whole lot of nothing happening there. It's not engaging. It's like they don't understand healers basically need... Like if you're going to make us have a one-button DPS rotation... It's nice if you give us something interesting to do with our plethora of healing tools. And then we had a similar issue in actually Shiva Refulgence. Right after the ads phase ends, there's nothing happening healing-wise. You dance around in a circle, and then Worm's Lament comes out, and there's basically no damage in Worm's Lament aside from the initial hit, and then the people that actually take the heads and explode. And it's very minor damage. doesn't even really require healing aside from, like, the couple, like, one free tool each healer, and then you've dealt with it. And it's just, it's not engaging. And they don't have that this tier. This tier, there's just pretty much constant activity the whole fight long. And they just, they're figuring it out. They're figuring out how to how to manage content better for healers. So Seems like throwing yeah. a raid wide between every single mechanic is one minimum way <laughs> to at least make you oh, press Jesus a button Christ. once in a while. And they're combining a whole lot of movement with damage, yeah. which creates more interesting healer. Like yeah. managing your resources is more interesting in those situations. Well, that's how healing the tier must feel. Sphia, how about DPSing it? Because you, you, every time we, every time you come around, people think about you and Black Mage. And will mm-hmm. you play Black Mage fresh in a raid tier? 
And you got to do a lot of that, so I'm sure people are very interested in hearing uh, your perspective more so than my lead a lead lead dancer perspective of it. Well, let me think. I feel like to get a proper opinion of this tier, it's going to take at least a few more weeks because we were in verse for so damn long, and that's our comparison point, right? Yeah. Um, but initial thoughts are... I think it's a lot more... I want to say, similar to Kyo, it's more active, and that the pacing of fights seems a little better. But I think it has a couple of issues as a DPS that I've noticed where DPS-specific mechanics don't really happen this tier. Um, it feels like if you're doing a mechanic, it's either a party-wide mechanic, or it's something that you don't really interact with at all, specifically to being a DPS, you're just doing your rotation and doing what the whole party is doing. It's either you're in a Protean or you're a Quick March group or a 3-3-2 split. None of it feels like you personally have any responsibility other than to do your rotation. I could be missing a couple things, but that's kind of the gist I got, uh, or the feel I got as a whole of this entire tier. Um, that said, I think the fights are fresh and fun, but I really want to see how it ages, because that's the, the real test to me. Yeah, we had some discussion about that week one. I have concerns about the second fight in particular and how it ages. Um, it's already not aging super great, at least in terms of engagement. Uh, people are getting more and more... They're skipping. They're going to be skipping the part that requires the most engagement, which is uh, going to be, I think, a big topic this raid tier altogether. Um, there's a lot of stuff that could be skipped with week one and two DPS towards the ends of fights as long as people aren't screwing up constantly. So I don't know if, as a DPS, if you're glad that you're not going to do those things, or I'm sure Keo is like, oh, thank God. I hate the trios at the end of E11. People always die. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I guess, uh, well, and then Sly, he, to Party Finder, I'm sure, is not something you want to <laughs> He's like, hmm, it's 3 o'clock, and we're talking about raids? Yeah, it's it's hurricane time, isn't it? I couldn't make one. Oh, that's a, that's just a <sighs> beer. Okay, that's just a nice yeah. cold beer. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, if I may, uh, I disagree with um, your assessment there. But we can we can go more into it later, especially about E10. Okay. In particular about how how it is aging. Um. But yeah, we can talk hmm. about that. Oh yeah, no, that's definitely going to be a conversation because that's the one I'm actually I'm looking forward to. I guess doing eight weeks from now. It's the one I'm looking forward to doing eight weeks from now the least. Because I think it'll be the most boring one to do after everyone starts gearing, at least in a static environment. In Party Finder, it's always going to be comedy. I'm sure Sly can attest to that. How is the Party Finder, Sly? How's, how do you feel about this raid tier just from so far from a Party Finder perspective? From a PF perspective, I mean, always with, you know, optimal groups. Not okay, bad. but Sly, how many of your groups... <laughs> Aren't oh going the way that way. Two. <laughs> and I'm going to assume they cleared nine and ten. <laughs> Same group. Good group. Really good group. You better but friend list all seven of those people then, man. Like four. <laughs> the rest of them left early, but yeah, four, I think. Yeah, but... Yeah, good, like, 
with an optimal group, yeah, it, it, it's pretty, it's pretty comfortable. But from a just general, again, I, I describe, the way I describe PF is like Uber. PF is like an Uber. You don't know, you have to wait on it, of course. You don't know what driver you're going to get. And, uh, statics are like just having a car and just being ready to go and it's going to get you there reliably. Yeah, my Ubers have been fucked up, dude. Static and the word reliable are not always in the same category. <laughs> That's a true. majority of the time. I've had a lot of stories where people go, my static is full of idiots. <laughs> I've seen people <laughs> say that so many times. Yeah. Or when you get everybody's schedules together for your static, and like, all right, what can we read this week? It looks like we have two hours on Friday. Okay, good job, team. And then it's you good. wipe on the first fight three times in a row, and you're like, <sighs> well, yeah, Monday night two chess. <laughs> that's the life. That sometimes that's got to be the life. Um, and yeah, I, I've kind of already expressed why. We'll I will talk about the individual fights. Uh, more in detail. I've had plenty of time to talk about these myself. So let's uh, let's hop right into the first encounter. Uh, we've got Cloud of Darkness with Umbra Savage, and for anyone wondering, it's a Savage show. It's not a normal mode show. We might reference normal mode, but we ain't, we ain't talking about the normal raids here. We're going right into the no. Savage one. Uh, I I feel bad for some jobs on Cloud of Darkness, and but overall, I think it's how do I put it? It's the most basic test of do you belong in Savage for me, more so than the other first encounters. It's a lot of uh, spreading out, split pair groups, you know, controlled movement, understanding where you need to be, when you need to be. It's all very basic. It's rudimentary. But that doesn't mean it goes smoothly for people who are stepping into the party finder all the time. So, uh, we let Keo go first last time. Sophia, how how did you feel about the the movement and the overall mechanics going into 9? So, I think that Nine kind of sets the tune for exactly how a lot of mechanics this terror played out. Uh, it's very, very, you know, protean, three, three, two groups. It's very specific placings, specific timers. Uh, however, I don't think I've seen a mechanic in which you can grief other players so heavily in a very long time. And I love it. Tiles? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, there's absolute yep. hilarity that ensues when people don't know what they're doing. And you, you stick out like a sore thumb, and that's the best thing to watch on Twitch. You just watch <laughs> E9 parties, and you just, you, there's always the one dude who doesn't know exactly what he's supposed to do in tiles, and he is just murdering left and right. Oh, there's been so many good Twitch clips made out of it, too. There's some hilarious clips. Yeah, you guys saw the gif of the Dragoon on the outside LBing and killing the person on the inside. (laughs) Yeah. And the the pair that are dancing between two. I I retweeted it, Sly. It's a gif of the Dragoon being on the outer edge, and he's LB3-ing, but the LB3 forces you forward, and then you jump back. So he goes Mm. forward, triggers the platform, drops the guy, and then goes back to his platform. And survives. <laughs> I retweeted it a little bit. Just, just go look at my retweets Holy real quick, shit. and you'll find it's it's great. I knew you'd like that as a dragoon in particular. 
Honestly, it's karma for making the Dragoon go to the outside, though. You deserve that. We'll talk actually about that specific mechanic in a little bit because I don't think it's as bad as it could be, but they certainly didn't do what I would have recommended to do to fix it. Um, and then so and then Keo, this um, you in particular, I, I need a second opinion on this because I remember we discussed this during Prague, the static I was in. Are those room wides from the phase transitions? Are those split damage, or am I losing my mind? Like, if you have less people alive, like Deluge of Darkness and Obscure Woods, just hit harder because I swear they do. No, I. No, it feels like they do. It feels so much like they do more damage when we have less people. There's one time we're missing the, one person. There is a damage. Yeah. The only damage variance I've noticed is damage stacks from the clouds feeding, and that is yeah. really significant. It sure is. Holy shit, if one cloud goes in, that, that feels like our healer is just clenching their butt cheeks. Yeah. because it is. <laughs> our first Enrage pull, we had two stacks by the time we got to Enrage, and it was, uh, where's tank LBs for all, there was a lot of tank LB1s for all the in-between mechanics, pretty much, from that point on. Um, okay, so that out of the way, I had to get a healer's perspective on that, because I remember during Prague, we were really convinced that they, that they were doing that, so I wanted a second opinion. Um, that aside, um, Sphia said it sets the precedent for the mechanics and the way that the mechanics work. Does it do, does it do the same thing from a healing perspective? Did you step into this and immediately think the rest of the tier was going to be on the more intense side, or did you feel like this was kind of you know still a little tame comparatively? I feel like it, it did a good job of setting the tone. Uh, both ten and eleven and twelve have a whole lot of moving around and reacting to. Um, position-based mechanics. And so you needed something intense to be like, hey, you're going to be moving a lot. And 9 did a good job of introducing like heavy movement mechanics and precision movement mechanics. Like You can't step out of place or you just die. Or kill someone. Watch that gif. Everyone now, go, go to Twitter and watch it real quick. Just find it real quick. I promise you will not be upset if you watch that clip. And you are all going to try it and I hate you for it. Uh, just don't be behind me. That's all I ask. Please. Uh, so the, the fight starts out really basic at the end of the, the end of the day. The beginning of the fight, the first 15%, whatever. It's nothing that's all too surprising. Most people get through that. Then we get into obscure woods, and I think this is probably the most discussed part of E9, more so than the tiles. Because it's, it's one of those a million ways to do it. Who's, who's, which, whose way are we gonna do it? And I'd like I'd like uh, to add precedent, Schlein, that I had not no. made a guide when people decided to do it our way, and I don't I never said people had to do it our way. Okay. Alright, so do you mean Brambles in particular or anti uh, anti air and uh, wide? Or I'd say I'd say Brambles is probably the more discussed one. I, although I actually like some of the variants I've seen in anti air and wide angle too, because there is some variance to the way people are doing it, at the very least anti air. Not so much wide angle. Wide angle is pretty hmm. straightforward. Um, yeah. so I didn't actually see how TPS did Brambles and how it compares to the other ways. So do you guys have any input on all the ways people are approaching Brambles and the way you guys approached it? I have a lot to say, so if Svi wants to say anything first, go for it. Uh, as a person who casts spells, I just want to say that Brambles is a terrible mechanic, and I never want to see it again. <laughs> I've heard that a lot. <laughs> that is all. Casters. I've heard that a lot. It's manageable, but definitely yeah. not ideal. 
Okay, that's a very short thing compared to what it sounds like Keel wants to say. So the reason I have a lot to say is because I have been PFing a lot because I've been, for well, mostly I've been helping somebody who's new to Endgame, and everybody uses Happy Brand Balls, like everybody. I didn't and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so TPS, we, we put them at the edge. Um, we would bring them all to our protean spots at the very edge of the arena and then ran in. And it was super easy for everything until you got to like wide angle or anti air and you backed out for the chariot and it's like, oh, there's no room because there's a bramble here in the corner. And so, I mean, that, that was its own new challenge. But happy brambles, man, people do not snapshot those properly. Like, you know, they want tank and healer to go either north or east or north or west. And people don't get there in time. And so they get tethered to the wrong bramble, and then it's wipe. Like, 50% of pulls, even if you're in a party that's on, like, last phase progress or duty completion, bramble wipes every time. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't mean for this. Struggle. I didn't mean for this. And Rins, Rins is very similar to ours, except that you put them front and back. It's like it makes an X instead of that, like, I guess, square of them, I suppose. And, mm-hmm. and listen, there's there's ways that I did. I hadn't made a guide. I'm sorry. I mean, people are enjoying it all the same. I guess it doesn't matter much, but people love the shit. <laughs> but it's like I, I think the X I'm saying it. I've seen Rin's X. I think it's easier as long as you have four melee, four ranged. I think it's that's a little bit. It's a little easier. I just don't. Like this whole going all the way to the wall thing that that makes me lose my mind. I'm not a I'm not a fan of that personally. For whatever reason, people also I notice do not want to sprint in PF for breaking the chains. <laughs> they want to they want to save it for the wide angle anti air, and so and they don't break the chain. <laughs> Slice the anchor. You don't fucking need it for it. Like the- I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I got sorry. I got all the people in PF onto voice. And I was trying to call out, like, sprint here, sprint here and break chain, sprint. And I look at the buff bars and nobody's sprinting but me. <laughs> Please. Like, that, uh, right, like, at that time, the only, like, the two things I'm popping, making sure I'm popping, are true north and sprint. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. But it's like, it's like, it, it's fine you don't need sprint if everybody does the mechanic properly. Like, if you turn that to the correct bramble, no problem. <laughs> if- but that never happens. There's always a mistether, and then those people that mistether not sprinting are dead every time. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. a struggle. Yeah, um, and that's it's it's funny. Keo and I always have conversations about people not pressing helpful buttons during ever. I always like to bring it up with Keo, but I remember him thanking me for bloodbathing during Delta Escape. He's like, Happy, you pressed bloodbath so many times that fight. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I express Because I have to deal with PF healers. <laughs> yeah, but people just kind of leave I, those buttons, like their second win, bloodbath, sprint. Like, people, I agree, people just I kind of don't those press buttons. them. I don't, like, I don't trust people. Faint, addle. It's PF. Yeah, yeah. and party finder, yeah. Any of those buttons that could help, but you don't have to press them. They often don't get pressed. <laughs> you don't have to? You don't have to paint a tank buster. You could. You don't have to. You should. <laughs> Does faint do damage? That's the real question. No. Yeah, that is the real question. Bro, faint, if faint and addle had ten potency on them, then people would just spam it and never use it strategically. 
Yeah, they, I, I firmly. I'll go ahead. I was just gonna say, but they press it. <laughs> I firmly believe that brambles further the further out you place brambles from the middle, the much much easier that chains become, and that that's more of a struggle for groups than wide angle or anti air is. I actually see groups do pretty well with wide angle and anti air compared to brambles. You know, you still struggle with both, but um, mm. brambles is just every party, no matter how good. What's what's funny about wide angle is melees always forget about the explosion after the split dance. Oh yeah, the point blank AOE kills so many people at the end of what they have no problem doing it in anti air. Anti air, like yeah, of course it's uh, we're on the flank at the end. Of course, whatever. But it's just that they're trying to they're trying to agree to GCD. They they don't even like, try to a, leave the boss. It's, just, it's not like they get clipped going out. They're just like yeah yeah oh. But the thing is, like, that's actually not that big a deal because by that point, the mechanic is done. Yeah. And there's not mm-hmm. much after that for a while. You have time to recover easy yeah. after either wide angle or anti air in both sets. The first set, there's a raid wide afterward. The second set, there's a tank buster afterward. Either way, you can just relax and raise people. But, uh, brambles, there's no recovery, man. If people mess that up. It's done. It's done. <laughs> Well, yeah, because when, Bram- when Brambles goes, that means you're missing somebody for wide angle and anti, and there's split damage attacks. You can survive them with two people, but... If you lost a tank, then one of the tank AoEs is going wild. Yeah. If you lose a healer, then a stat- the other stack is going to die. Yeah. If you lose two DPS on one side, then the healer dies solo. Yeah. Even if you lose one, it's a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just not good. Yeah. 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 And I, I, it kind of irks me every time. The, the other DPS in our healer group just greeds for the, uh, greeds for the GCD and doesn't stack with us. I'm like, dude, if I can fucking eat it, you can too. Like, stop it. Don't make him heal more, please. There's also, um, there's also the greed when the boss is in the center for a wide angle and people don't get to the flank fast enough for, for the mm-hmm. wide angle. I see that. I see that a lot too. And you know, that's, yeah. that's one design aspect that we kind of already glossed over, but it becomes relevant across the whole tier. The hitboxes on the bosses are, Phenomenally large. And yes. Huge, dude. I, I feel like that's their solution to melees, complaining. And, and it's funny because now the hitboxes are bigger and people want to go to the wall for every mechanic. So I don't, I don't know how we can win. How can we win this? <laughs> the bigger you make the hitboxes, the more people run away. At this point, the, the boss might as well be the whole arena. I don't know if you have any comment about those boss hitboxes. I don't know if you guys ever like play melee on the side or anything like that. I know Sly, Sly and I both play melee a bit, but. Uh, it's definitely something we noticed. Uh, even going through Prague, all of the bosses have enormous hitboxes, but a lot of them I feel like would be almost unfair without them. Yeah. You're gonna like, yeah. you're gonna like my input on this. Um, I noticed because I noticed that telling people get inside the boss's hitbox to be hit by Cure 3 is not good enough anymore. <laughs> like, it's not close enough. They still get missed. <laughs> so, yeah. Kyo, always the harbinger of, of things healers never want to have to say. <laughs> things healers never want to have to do. Paragon of healer have, excellence. Now I have to say something different. I have to say, please catch the Cure 3. <laughs> Please. Be on me. Stand with me. Don't don't be in Narnia. Please. The lion, he's not real. Well, he will be. There will be six of them, but that's later. All right. 
Yeah, the, E12S is, is particularly bad for that, and the Cure 3 after Diamond Dust. It just, yeah. There's always that one person that the Cure 3 misses. I'm like, I'm centered on the boss's hitbox. I'm directly middle. How are you missing this? If you think about it, but, E12 yeah. really is Narnia. You've got the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Works perfectly. True. Sly, you feeling all right over there? <laughs> Every show. <laughs> Sly, would you would you even like me if I if I didn't do this? Don't look at me. Don't just look at me. <laughs> I don't like that look. Our audio listeners can hear your look. That's how yeah. that's how piercing it is. I'm glad they can. <laughs> Silence is very loud. Alright, so Obscure Woods is probably gonna be the, the biggest, I guess, trap in the party finder. Again, please don't stick to just my I I don't wanna become the Ilya of this, and I don't encourage people to shit on content creators because they make strategies early and people refuse to change. Be willing to change. It's not our fault. I promise. We've established this, Happy. Like, most of our players are the internet. They don't like change. But there's, there's like six being, strats! <laughs> there's, there's another name that's been getting traction for Brambles, right? I think Myth Brambles Myth. is becoming popular. That, that's yeah. the one where yeah. you go to the each cardinal, north, south, east, west, you drop them at the wall to groups of two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a pretty big fan of that one. Yeah. Melees aren't. I'm sure they're not, but it is safer. It is. It is very safe. That's why I like. I saw some people doing the same thing we do, but we just drop them further out, and that seems fine too. Just so there's room to do the pre- the spreads and the the proteins and the splits. It's a lot easier. So there's a lot of ways to do. It. It's just it's a flexible mechanic is the thing. It's it's a player input driven mechanic, and with like with light rampant, that always leads to divergence and discussion and in some cases hatred. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I personally think the best mechanics are the ones that have more than one solution, and yeah. that you, you get you know various benefits from different strategies, and it's not like a one size fits all uh, thing because obviously some of them have benefits which will be better for casters, some of them will have benefits which are better for melee, and this is a really good example of uh, just how different the results can be. And that and that sort of design also really rewards your own personal knowledge of them, how the mechanic works. Yeah. Because it's pretty easy to be flexible across all the strategies once you get a good feel for how this mechanic operates. And uh, Brambles is a good example of that. Once you know what you're doing, you can pretty much salvage any situation. You get tethered to the wrong person across the room, you should have a good idea on how to break both and get to the safe spot as long as you understand how it how it operates. Which mm-hmm. I think is a good it's a good design, like Spee said. Yeah, it's too bad a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people don't learn mechanics. They learn the result. They're like, okay, just they, tell me I do this and this and I win. Okay. Yeah, they memorize point A and point B and they don't think about why or how. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. That's what these discussions are for. So we can t- tell people the how and the why. Tiles is actually a good example of what that is, that other design. Because you can completely execute tiles just listening to someone. Someone just tells you what to do, and you can just follow every word that they say, and you can do it completely correctly. And I've had that in a couple of these uh, these PFs. Sorry. No, you don't have to. Talking. No, no, you're fine. We were going the tiles next, so that was good. 
Okay. Um, but, but the yeah, problem it, with that is people. <laughs> yes. The biggest variable in every mechanic is people. People. Yeah. You can do it absolutely 100% right, right and then get fucked by somebody else. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just... It's fun listening to some of these shot callers because I was, I was fortunate enough to join a couple of PFs where there was someone who was louder than me. That's rare. I'm usually the loudest person in the PF. Um, who was doing calls and I've heard some really excellent shot calling in the tile phase. Like, pretty impressive to me. You know what that whole phase needs? It needs one of those, you know, the T5 dive bomb macros? Oh, no. It needs one of those. Where you'd push the button as soon as empty plane is cast, and it would tell you exactly when to do everything. Line Sounds like something Keo would have handy. Keo's a, Keo's a macro entrepreneur. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. You can Keo. Save Party Finder right now. You say that. <laughs> okay, no, but here's the thing. You say that, but we did Emerald Weapon with macros. Like I, I, cause I had Skylar, and I'm like, Skylar, bring those EU macros in. Show it to us. And we had a tank call R2. And I was like, what? So, yeah, I don't mean like a positional <laughs> macro, like, like that sort. I mean the one that, you know, in T5, it would count down the time to dive bombs. And it'd be like dive bomb in five, four, three, two, one, to know that you can pre-move. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean more along the lines of that. Oh, okay. Where, it, yeah. where it'll tell you, you know, uh, ranged, reset your tile in three, two, one, uh, and then ranged out. Yeah. Uh, now we just have to hope that the, the melees know what clockwise is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my That's bigger fear. Yeah. How many, I mean, guys, uh, so as many people know, I rated with Tate this tier. Please go watch his E9 Savage highlight, because you will understand exactly what I'm referring to. <laughs> it's just, we're, we, I think like 50 seconds and we're like, oh yeah, well, no one's going to screw up clockwise. And then Tate goes counterclockwise. And goes, I just don't fucking know what clockwise is. I think the best one I've ever heard is someone asked, are we talking clockwise looking above the arena or below the, re- the arena? <laughs> You're not even, not even yeah, yeah. at the boss or away from yeah. the boss. No, yeah. We're going to tilt our camera to the bottom side of the arena, look up and go clockwise. That's exactly how we're going to handle the mechanic. Yes. <laughs> I, I love, I love arguments about hurricane. orientation. The funniest miscommunications are when it's like, oh my god! All right, all right, I'm, I'll go left, and then the other person goes left. No, 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 I'm going left. Oh, that was my left, and it's like, fuck, no. Looking away from the boss. Oh, I did it looking at the boss, and I was like, well, do it looking away from the boss. No, that's I. <laughs> looking but in or looking out? The fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Are we, are we in ETNS now? <laughs> no. <laughs> we will be soon, but no, we still got tiles, I guess. Um, God, yeah, tiles, tiles is interesting because the way people latched onto is, I, it's, it's harder for one thing, but because we're all, putting the healers on the outside in particular because they're ranged to deal with the clouds. This is, well, no, it's because realistically you should have all four DPS on the clouds. That's the ideal in your brain way to do it. But people don't want to do the movement that gets melees back to the boss safely because nobody trusts anybody with tiles. So in JP, they actually just put melee on the, the outside. <laughs> they just straight up, they don't care. They just That's why that clip exists. Because they actually do just put mm-hmm. melee on the outside to deal with the clouds. 
Um, but nobody's willing to have melees go here, they go here, healers here, here, and it's fixed. Nobody wants to do that because nobody trusts anyone with the movement. Well, it's just during the ru- the the room cleave, the half room cleave, that melee on the cardinal is just. They're just done. Enjoy your spear throws, I guess, for like 10 seconds straight. Yeah. You have to fix it basically right as full perimeter goes out, or it's unfixable. Like right after full perimeter, yeah. I hope that's a ninja with freaking uh, TCJ and both, you know, ninjutsus up. Maybe he'll get minimal of time loss. Or we have, or we have like life up and we can Nash draw and shit before it gets to the middle and maybe get a hit. A lot of Dragoons I know use the AoE combo, because it's like a line, mm-hmm. um, and then they usually yeah. have a life or something. I see ninjas, ninjutsu them. I see range just kill theirs in a second and then throw a GCD before the Conal AoE. But I've also seen a clip of a JP monk just spamming meditation and then doing enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. no. <laughs> There's a lot of great JP gifts, because they're so willing to, like, they're way more willing than the other cultures in our game to just say, fuck my DPS, we're winning. And so there's a mm-hmm. lot of great clips that are really funny with, with stuff like that. It reminds me of when I, I did a, I did Omega with Ice and Haru and them over on the JP and we did all 11 and they put the paladin in the corner with hallowed ground for Pantocrator and it was like in five point like five five or four point five five. They just, JP Party Finder never stopped doing that. They never stopped putting the tank in the corner and just hallowed grounding all the AoEs. Yeah, I, I love the memes that came out of that. There were so many good ones. Just yeah. like little comics of the palette just sitting there like hunched in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's just, that's the mentality difference. So you see, but, but to us it looks funny. To them it's, I won, who cares? You know? Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, yeah. they're right. But that's just not how our Western cultures end up thinking about it most of the time, and then people die because they're too focused on the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And with tiles, that's going to happen a lot because people kill each other all the time with tiles. <laughs> it's going to be bad. I don't think that's ever going to get better. You're just going to have to pray every week that the tiles work. At the very least, yeah. everything other than that is pretty straightforward, whether it be you know spreads or pairs or... The second art of darkness, third art of darkness, all that, all that stuff is is not really going to cause much in the way of issues. So um, it's just those couple of major mechanics that the party finder is going to meme on pretty much every week. And but if the- you can't do the first brambles, good luck with the second brambles, where you need everyone alive for the towers, or it's so, yes, yeah. towers is about to be a discussion because we got to move on to E10. And uh, if you thought memes in E9 were bad. Because of Brambles, E10 is just going to be memes all the time. This is your left. At your left. This is your left. <laughs> at your left. That was my whole song in the first phase of fucking E10. It's like, okay, my left or his left? Oh, his left. Oh, okay, so that's... Oh, fuck. And that took like 20 minutes of me just fucking, like, just getting good. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. This is this is a fight that's super gimmicky, and when you pick up the gimmick, mm-hmm. it's kind of like eh. Like they spend so much time like testing if you're paying attention to the gimmick that I kind of get bored. But I'm only one person. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs to be paying attention to the gimmick. So the big thing with E10 is the shadows. Um, the shadows pop up all throughout the fight. They have all sorts of different rules. Some of them have squiggly lines. Some of them have straight lines. 
Some of them come from the boss, some of them come from the player, some of them jump around the room five times, which realistically is a complete waste of time because the first four jumps are always in the same direction, so I don't know why they did that. Uh, there's there's a lot to say about E10, though. So, uh, Sphere, you kicked us off on 9, so Keo, E10, I'm sure if, uh, if... E9 was an okay introduction to the tier. E10 must be the encapsulation of where it was going for the next two fights. Yeah, um, anybody who's seen Sphia's tweets know how I initially felt about E10 when we first cleared it. Um, which is to say, I hated it. But, uh, yeah, I think it, it does, it does the whole, le- like, relative position, left-right thing very, it, it just hammers it home to the point where you have to sort out all your movement and coordination for that movement in Prague. Um, and there's just so much of it, man. Even Umbral Orbs is a whole lot of coordinating who goes to which orb, lefts and rights, just the same as those, the Giga Slashes are coordinating the lefts and rights and the forward and backward implosions are coordinating fronts and backs, which could be left and rights if you're looking sideways. So it's like, I don't know. There's just a lot of randomness in it. And that was what I was going to say later on. It's a, uh, I actually am growing upon that, and my enjoyment of that is getting higher because at least there's a lot more decision-making um, that's different every time you go in there compared to other fights. But initially, it was just so frustrating when you would get so far into the fight, the boss would start doing giga slashes, and then like two people get it wrong, and they die, and then it just cascades. It's really frustrating. So you know, there are some video games where there's, like, this curve, right? And you start off, and you're like, damn, this is hard. And you slowly progress up that curve, and then you start feeling like, I'm actually pretty good at this. I'm getting this. And you beat the boss, and you're like, damn, I feel awesome. This isn't one of those. This is one of those video games where, instead of feeling good when you beat it, it just makes you feel like a fucking idiot when you mess up. It's the complete yes. opposite. It's like a downwards curve. There's there's no happy feelings at the end of this. It's just you're either a normal person who knows their left or right, or you're just an absolute imbecile. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a, I don't think I've ever heard a fight described in such a way. Really, the clockwise counterclockwise in nine didn't make you feel like an imbecile. If you got, I guess if you don't get it wrong, like you said, you either understand it or you don't. Uh. I know. Yeah, for, for, for me, it gives like negative feedback loop as opposed to a positive feedback loop in terms of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting things right doesn't feel good. It just feels like, oh, I'm, I'm not stupid, which isn't really a good, happy feeling, is it? Um, no. But it, it definitely has a lot of ways to make you feel like you're absolutely dumb. But apart from that, it has, I feel like some jobs kits don't synergize very well that fight. Is yours one of them? Yep. Uh, <laughs> but that won't be a problem eventually, so that's okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, you're, so I'm assuming you're referring to the very last mechanic when it comes yeah. to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a feeling. that That's already not a problem, actually. Much to my surprise. Been, wow, yeah. really? Okay. I guess yeah, we skipped. We we already we placed our shadows and then killed it. Like that was it. We didn't even get to our towers. So yeah, 
We're, uh, we're borderline on skipping it, yeah. Yeah. So. Like all groups. I mean. Party Finder probably won't ever skip. If there's anything I learned, just because you had one group that skipped it does not mean all the groups will skip it with Fearer. Last tier, that was a big one. If you had the party finder that didn't have to do the last mechanics, great. But you probably are going to have to do the last couple mechanics for fear. And uh, that's where things always fall apart. And that's kind of going to be the same here. You have a party finder that does the whole first 90% great, but if they don't skip that last 10%, you got you got question marks. you got question marks over your head. Question mark ping. Over yeah, those, if, those different tethers come out at the end and you just start sweating. Like, oh, no. It's like, okay, Here who's we still go. paying attention? Who's still paying attention? Oh, no. So um, with this fight, it sets its it sets its precedence really early. It teaches you how the shadows work right away, and then it just remixes it over and over and over again. That's, uh, that's, that's one of my big problems. Every time you see the shadows, they function differently, and there's nothing to tell you that they do. Uh, see, I didn't feel that way when we were progging it. As soon as I saw every phase we got to... I I kind of just immediately went, oh, fuck. Because I realized immediately upon seeing it, like, I know what the fuck they want me to do. And then it comes out, and I'm like, fuck. All right. So one of the big problems we encountered in Prague is that we based what the tethers in the final phase, sorry, not the tethers, the uh, the shadows in the final phase can do on what they do in the first phase. Uh, I know where this where is they, going. They cleave at the start, and then they go away. Yeah. Whereas now they cleave at the start, and the end, whereas the first shadows you see will only cleave if you get close to them. So it's they get they get the best of both at, at the end, and it doesn't give you any indication that that's the way it'll function, uh, which I find very I found really frustrating. Yeah. Um. um so the, not, wait, not actually, now you make me want to check something because I think they do give you that info. They just they do it in a very not obvious way because it's specifically the shadow keeper ability that makes them do that and i think the boss uses shadow keeper twice in that phase and that's why it does that um because in the first one it does shadow servant which does the the proteans and then spawns them and then they just they don't do it but it only cleaves you after it uses shadow keeper i didn't actually even think to pay attention yes. to see if it uses shadow keeper twice there but i guess it has to it's the only thing that makes yeah. sense no, it wouldn't, because the Shadow Keeper cast spawns a clone behind you, and he only does that once at the end, because there's one time when it spawns behind you. That's your only placement, uh, other than yeah, spawning right. them from the pitch box. You're right. Yeah, no, that, yeah, you're right. Hmm. And the initial spawn at the very beginning is from Shadow Cleave, which is a different skill. Yeah. That spawns the Shadow initially, and then Shadow Keeper is it behind you. The only thing that's consistent across all the phases is what Shadow Keeper does. Right. And even then, it's not super consistent because it adds an extra cleave at the end. Right. Yeah, I know you're because right. Because the shadows are meant to persist longer. In the first phase, they go away right after the cleave, right? Yeah. It does Shadow Keeper, spawns, cleaves, despawns. But in the last phase, they have to stay because they have to be a body in the tower. So they cleave again. And it's just, yeah. You know, I can see we, where Sphia's frustration is. Yeah, our, our frustration was we read the debuff and our own stupidity didn't really let us figure it out. We were literally like two hours into E11, I think, and we figured out how we almost lost on E10. I don't know why. We just didn't think about it till then. Um, we forgot that the damage they take, damage gets dealt to the player. We're like, how did everyone die at the end? Like, how did we lose so many people? Cause we dropped AOEs on the fucking clones and we had no idea that we had just killed <sighs> each other with that. We still won that pull, but that, that threw us for a fucking loop for a second, because that was the only pull we made it past there. 
And it was the pool we, cle- we cleared. So we never learned our lesson, pretty much. And now we skip it, so we'll never learn our lesson. So We learned our lesson. <laughs> you know, sounds like that was a growing pain. So I was a little bit frustrated with uh, our prog in Eton um, because we spent a decent chunk of time trying to figure out how the shadows cleave and trying to find ways to be able to go back to your shadow without a risk of getting cleaved. And a part of me was always thinking the whole time, like, or we could resolve this mechanic never going back to your shadow. That's an option. But instead, we spent a decent chunk of time revisiting Okay, can I do this? Okay, they don't cleave anymore, so now I can go back to them. And I, I guess I was a little frustrated by that. Probably uh, so. Yeah, but I mean, I can understand the, the wanting to know how it works. Of course, we always want to know how, how these mechanics work and what we can get away with. But uh, it, it created some frustrating results when the behavior kept changing, like Spia was saying. Right. Yeah, um... I mean, but the rest of the fight, other than that, uh, we'll, we'll get a little bit more into Void Gate 2 in a minute. But other than that, I mean, that's, a, that's why I don't know how I'm going to feel about this fight. Because, I don't know, the whole shadow gimmick, I, I, I just picked it up so quick that I, I don't know, I'm kind of bored. I was kind of bored with it even during Prague. As soon as I figured out, forward implosion, stand on shadow. Backward implosion, stand opposite of shadow. Left giga slash, stand on the right of the shadow. Right giga slash. Like, I don't know, I never had any perception issues, like the boss facing the shadow or being on his left or being on his right. So I was just kind of bored with the whole thing, like, really fast. I just got tired of the gimmick in general. Like, I never want to see a gimmick like that in a fight ever again. What if we have gobwalkers with shadows? (laughs) Slide. The gobwalker has a shadow behind it. I really should have made a hurricane. (laughs) With Nisi. I really should have... (laughs) I really should have made that hurricane. <laughs> <sighs> Jesus. Don't worry, this isn't reality, Sly. You don't actually need the hurricane because this thing doesn't exist yet. Okay. Yeah, I I can admit that it, it was definitely tiresome, especially at the end of Prague. But I still, and I want to say this, I, I do appreciate that there's a lot of decision points in that fight where it's different every time you get in there. Um, you know, Whether he does a forward or a backward implosion is different and your position has to be different. The left-right slash is always random, and you always have to react to it. And I still appreciate that more than something like Gerda Ifrit, where your position was static pretty much every pull, and the decision points were very few. Usually it was just deciding, where is Ifrit kicking the ball? I don't go there. Or where is Ifrit kicking the ball? People didn't even care about that for more than a week. Yeah. And I, I, I like that at least there's more interactivity in this fight. You have to pay attention. Um, even if the mechanic itself is a little dull. Yeah. That's why this is the only fight I'm afraid of its age. Like, of week after week. Cause I, just because I'm not super into the gimmick. Um, I still think overall it's pretty well designed. I, I, I take it over Fear. I take it over Voidkeeper, though only slightly. Um, and yeah. uh, that's, that's, that's where I'm at with 10. I don't know if... The only thing... <laughs> so... So since we don't really need to talk about all the shadows, there's two things that we kind of need to talk about before we move on to E11, and that's orbs <laughs> and void gate number two. I'd say those are the biggest points of contention in this fight. Yeah. Especially orbs plus what I like to call cups, which is when he puts the shadow on the one and then it remixes around. I like to, you know, cup over the ball mm-hmm. kind of game. 
Um, that's a uh, man. You, who's left and who's right? As Sly was saying, that's a, that's a real problem for people, huh? Looking at the not, wall, I feel like in, <laughs> I feel like if there's not any any kind of for that for that version of orbs, if there's not any kind of you know discussion or you know like using any kind of communication, a lot of people are just going to like YOLO and then like more times like nine times out of ten you're losing somebody just to orbs right there. Or two people. Or damage downs. That too. Yeah. Did you guys have any issues with orientation? Because I know that I personally I I always do my orientations boss relative whenever I'm thinking of them in my head. So I know it took me a few pulls to get used to as you're running towards the mm. wall. Like that's we did end up with as you're looking at the wall. You know, go to the one you oriented with. Did you guys struggle with that during Prague? I think we always orient looking at the boss. Okay. Like, in, in all mechanics, we just made that agreement as a group at some point that when we talk about left, right, center, whatever, positioning, you're always looking at wherever the boss is. If that's a dive bomb, you're looking at him outside the arena from the center. And if it's something mechanic like that, if you're going to the wall, then you face the boss in the middle and then do your directions. So it's not really a problem for us. All on the same page. Yeah, it's something we sort of plotted out when we practiced. So that we're always on I that think same it page. paid off. Oh, I E ten was by far our worst performance, I think. Still first. Yeah, I think so. Worst performance is still first. Could have been better. <laughs> You've got <laughs> one more chance this expansion. So think about it, channel all that energy there. Well, kind of two, but I guess one of them is more intense than the other when it comes yeah. to Ultimate versus Delibrum, which we'll probably touch on a little bit later. Since you wanted to say, um, I mean, one more thing about the Umbral Orbs is I do like this sort of, there's so many different ways to figure out which orb group is where. You know, not just the one on the wall, but I'm talking about the ones that spawn north, south, east, yeah. west, and the different yeah. mechanics. Like which group goes to which side that it, it always made, every group seems to have a different idea about that, and I think it's interesting to sort of talk about those things, like what what decision factors, what makes people decide. And sometimes it's as easy as, okay, east group takes east, west group takes the west orb, if there's a north-south orbs, then rotate clockwise. And that's it, that's the end of the discussion. Other times, <laughs> groups want to do it differently, and I think, yeah, I, I just like that that's a discussion point. I think it's interesting, even if it sounds simplistic. Well, it sounds simplistic, but then when people are doing it, which clockwise? Are you trying to look under the arena in E10? Has that <laughs> happened yet? <laughs> Find the orbs, but make sure you clip your camera through the floor so you can't see them while you're looking for them. So that way it's it's more fun. It's a bigger mystery. I also have a terrible enjoyment of people trying to scream over each other in comms. Like when the tanks are trying to talk about which orb they're taking and the groups are trying to talk about it. And the comms get confused and, and I don't know. I just, <laughs> I enjoy those kinds of muddled comms because it makes interesting uh, discussions about priority. <laughs> so you don't have to yell at each other mid-pull. Yeah, I remember we, mm -hmm. I, I see a lot of prog groups mark chain one through three, normal one through three, so you know if you're standing with the group at the very least. If you're not, you get away. We we did that kind of, but we just marked one person in each. would be like, listen, if you're not sure where the fuck to go, that person knows where to go. That's That's your beacon of hope, okay? 
that's the person you need to know where they're standing. And then sometimes they're not your beacon of hope. Yeah, and then they know. fuck up and it brings everyone down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because my clockwise, your clockwise. You know, the usual. The usual at that point. Uh, and then second Voidgate. Second Voidgate's kind of like the brambles, but the possibly skippable brambles of the fight, where there's there's like two or three different ways. I know the way that we did it's very different than the way the Party Finder's doing it, where it's kind of like... Mythstrat and Brambles, where you have two people each drop a clone on the outside ones and then do the mechanic on the inside and just ignore the outside ones. Yeah, big fan. Big fan? Yeah, we did a less cat, we did a melee friendly, less caster friendly in Prague. And I, it, it looks really nice, but no one's gonna do it. Ex- yeah, the execution level for a lot yeah. of these things is not worth it. Right. It, we're completely removing the risk of dropping AOEs on the shadows by separating shadow groups and player groups yeah. is very good for consistency. Yeah. Because you don't have the risk of the one guy forgetting to bait the eruption and killing someone else, resulting in two void gates failing, resulting in doom and everybody died. So, goodbye 10 minute poll. Yeah, pretty much. Especially if it's a matter of yeah. a couple of percentage, whether or not, like if it's at the boss at like 3 or 5%, it's like, the end's in sight. Right? Mm. Yeah. So, uh, um, I wonder if that holds up as weeks go on. I mean, we saw a lot of people doing safe strats. It's pretty common in the early weeks, but then people in, at least in our party finders on Ether, they start to gradually start to like, ha- and one or two people gravitate towards this because it's better for a certain role and et cetera, et cetera. I wonder if that holds up with second void gate or not. I have hopes because, um, Ilya's strat lasted so long for Light Rampant when yeah. there was Ayatori was just sitting there in everyone's face like this is the uptime strat. It's super popular and yet they still did Ilya. So I think that safer strats on, on these Void Gates will probably persist too since it's just not worth the risk that far in. Yeah. Also if you're saying it your damage is already pretty low so you're probably not playing for parses. You know, yeah. Your pass. Yeah. Yeah. And if your damage is high enough, you don't even have to do it, so you end up not even thinking about where you're putting them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, The other thing I was going to talk about is specifically about that, which is the damage required is about 10% higher than it was in E9, which I think is a pretty good progression. Uh, Neither of them are too tight. They're actually pretty lenient in both of them. But E10 has the... uh, the people debuff where you can have a lot of damage downs in that fight. It's it's like Void Key or Void Walker, where every like people always just got tons of damage downs. And yeah, I'm and I'm a fan for like personal damage down. You fuck up a mechanic, it's your damage down, but when it's when it's somebody else, when it's somebody who drops a cleave in the wrong place and then you got fucking get a damage down and Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that. How about when you're hanging out with your healer for the Umbral Orbs there and uh, the other DPS doesn't make it and then you get the damage down because it's a two-person Umbral Orb stack. It's good. Yeah. Or if the tank is in the wrong place and I and the I as a DPS take an Umbral Orb from the tank orb. Oh, goodbye. Yeah, that's the other thing. I see with the lineups, a lot of we see a lot of tanks accidentally taking the three-person orb or, or groups taking the purple orbs because they're distance-based and they snapshot really early. Really early. Yeah. That's another thing. Sprint. Fucking sprint. Yeah, Please. we, we called, yeah. we called sprint it. That's the most sprint worthy mechanic in the Holy whole fight. Holy shit. That and the way we did Void Gate 2, 
which was we had range drop on the outside and then run to the next one clockwise and the melee do the same thing on the inside. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a sprinter right there. Guys, press your yeah, buttons you that don't do damage, please. There's no fucking way you can try to save that. Like, you like you can't elusive. You can't do anything to, to save that. It just snapshots so fucking quick that you're, you're going to keep wondering why you're taking a tank orb as a DPS. That said... I did discover the other day that if you time your gap close right after the snapshot, you can do some silliness. We had a we had a ninja Shikuchi in take the the stack orb solo and not get anyone damaged down or die. And I don't know how he did it, but the time he must have had perfect timing. Hmm. But there is some shenanigans possible there. I'm not sure how. I, I just I just thought of a strategy that's kind of like ours, but more melee okay. friendly, like the one that we did. Where what if what if okay. both the tanks and both the melees drop two in each of like north and south and like the inside ones and the range do the same on the outside and then they rotate together, and there's no way you can drop a thing. I mean, this is I'm just thinking of a more an uptime strat that fixes the problem. Keo was talking about. Thank you. That might work. White mage running southwest to northwest, which is literally the no no no. You you do um. You'd have to change protein positions to do it. Like you couldn't do the exact same positions we have it now. But I'm thinking about that well, now because it would eliminate one problem. But it's just it's the casters are just going to hate you. It's that's any, yeah. Anytime you have anytime you have a healer going corner to corner in that map, they're just hating life. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the big thing. It's one's one's melee friendly. One one you lose two one or two GCDs. One your your healers you have to press Dia three GCDs in a row or swift cast the glare thing. and hope nobody fucks up. <laughs> One of the other things I wanted to ask Keo specifically was, because I talked about the damage output required, what's the incoming damage like progressing from 9 to 10? Uh, what about Umbra Smash? I think, the, I think the tank busters were kind of surprisingly yeah. potent in 10. Um, but with proper cooldowns, they're actually pretty easy. Like if you, um, mm. if you use Living Dead or Hollowed, um, after the third slash, it would cover the fourth slash and the buster. And if your tanks were really good at getting that timing, the, heal- the healing is easy. Nothing. Mm-hmm. But when the tanks didn't know what to do and they're reading the first four slashes, it's just a lot of damage. And if you ever have to soak the unleashed, it's a huge amount of damage. And then the void gate too was initially really scary because everybody's spread out and there's a lot of damage, especially if you're just sitting in the void gates the whole time. You're just mm-hmm. eating that dot the whole time. It was a lot of damage, um, but you know, I just threw temperance there. It's pretty, pretty cozy after that. So yeah, yeah, Q. I feel like, well, again, you probably didn't see like after final, um, final void gates, did you? Well, I, I, we saw the enraged. Didn't we? I think we did. Okay. Uh, we okay. So yeah, for like, the enraged caspa, but we saw yeah, the okay. Stuff. So. From a PF perspective, like, our healer was freaking out so much because there was just so, like, the amount of, like, okay, there's this mechanic, there's, there's Tank Buster, okay, raid wide. Like, they threw, I feel like they threw in raid wides just to give you something to do. There's a raid wide between every mechanic, like I said. Mm-hmm. Every mechanic, there's a fucking raid wide. They gave y'all shit to do. I mean, they're not wrong, but it's not, it's super easy to manage. Like, that's, 
all that's really saying is use your tools, like use your huts, right. use your. Uh, it makes Asylum feel satisfying. It makes Whispering Dawn feel satisfying. Star mm-hmm. on cooldown feels satisfying. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Typically, raid wides in between mechanics are a. Have you gotten through this clean enough to be able to survive the raid wide? It's just like an extra check at the end of it to and make it cr- sure that yeah. you haven't, you know, catastrophically failed. It creates panic scenarios when people get hit by avoidable mechanics as well. That was a big part of the struggle yes. in Prague was people get hit by a Giga Slash and then there's a, then there's an AoE coming and it's like, uh oh, mm-hmm. you know, cause that'll drop them down to like 10% from full. And True. you can survive, but it's just this panic and suddenly how much panic can your healers handle before it starts being deaths? And, uh, it was fun. I don't know. I really like that. I think that that created some unique recovery scenarios that you don't usually get in most fights. Right. Party finder. And it, it, go ahead. If you want to learn how to panic, just go do Titan Unreal. You'll panic. True. Good practice. Slide. No, I was, I was just going to say, um, like again, the, the punishment I feel for, you know, messing up mechanics was way more severe in the fact that it just affected everybody. There were some, there are some individual you fucked this up. Yeah, that's you. But yeah, the having a damage down that, you know, everybody gets hit by, like, yeah, you, you have a little bit more DPS to fucking catch up. Like, again, I don't fucking like that, dude. <laughs> Boy, I, you may not like that, but I have a question. Do you like our Lord and Savior Doom stats? <laughs> that too. I mean, that just that just an outright fucking wipe. Like Doom stat, sure. But like, okay, three three miss towers, and that's just a fucking a wipe. Okay, it's all right. There. It's their anti-cheese, so you can't just tank all these three of those towers. That's exactly, that's what exactly where I was exactly. going. Exactly. Because we constantly, we said before we started Prog, think about where we can use just tank LB3 to skip something. We got to second void gear, we're like, not, not the answer. Not the answer to this. Uh, that's, uh, that's mean. And I think that might be why they made that blue mage, uh, not the blue mage, the, the Eureka change with the sacrifice action, because I have a feeling we're going to see that in Deliberum. And they are probably going to copy the programming for sacrifice into whatever action they do for Deliberum for raising. And I think that's why they changed Sacrifice, because it probably uses the same codes as the Lost Actions. So, mm-hmm. I think I, we got our answer about why they changed not do its its own effect instead of Doom now. So, I think this is a good spot to bring up a certain topic I, I just wanted to briefly touch on, which is to say that, I mean, I've been writing here a long time in the scene, and I wanted to say one of the things that made FCOP really successful back in the day. One of the things that I think most players really enjoyed about the tier was how recoverable it was. You could raise so many people and still keep going. You could recover mechanics. There was very few points where it was like, oh, we only have six people alive. It's a wipe. Those were minimal. There were They existed, but they were few and far between. And then you hit Alexander raids, and that was just not the case anymore. There's so many mechanics in these Alexander raids where if one person was dead, then another two people were about to die to the next mechanic because there was one person missing, so it was going to hit someone twice, and then it was going to cascade into a wipe 90% of the time. And Alexander raids in particular were very guilty of that, and I think it took a lot of the fun away. 
Um, it's one of those things that we don't, I don't feel as if it's talked about very much. And in Stormblood, it was similar. And I feel like we're making a return in some of these Shadowbringers raids to these more recoverable mechanics. And then I'm just finding I'm enjoying it a whole lot more, knowing that we can keep going. We can at least see more. Even if we're wiped to the Enrage, we can prog further. And that's just fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the hard stops are not the end of the world. You know, I'm okay with Void Gates being a hard stop. But there's only two spots in the whole fight, and the first one is pretty easy to pass, even with, like, four people dead. So, World first had four deaths, eight damage downs, and a healer LB3. So the check isn't so tight that yeah. that level of recovery, uh, you know, would mean you're enraging like it would in a lot of other fights. Yeah, it reminds me of, uh, you talk about Final Coil, um, I even think Unending, where if you didn't beat the Bahamut DPS check, you still got to practice ad phase, and you didn't know you didn't beat a DPS check yet at that point, I kind of like that. That's not so much on the recovery topic, but the whole idea of it's not just over instantly kind of thing. There's <laughs> there's room to learn something. You can learn Grand Octet, you can learn ad phase, and you can at least see the first few attacks in the Bahamut, in the Golden Bahamut phase. It's weird how that carried over kind of from Final Coil to... Unending, in a sense. I think, and I think it's the more successful enjoyment design strategy to let players keep going and get further in spite of their errors, and then just make the goalpost, the end goalpost, a little further to account for it. And that is sort of in the way, in the way that the mechanics aren't really repeating anymore. We don't really have as much repetition in these tiers compared to previous ones. There's no cycling back of mechanics. I mean, they repeat in forms, but they usually add something. And so it's just made these raids feel a little more complete, I think, rather than just, oh, we were at 50%, now everything's the same as we saw before. Yep, that's the Stormblood problem. That's why 011 I liked so much, but then 012 went back to being, oh, you did Hello World too. Well, welcome back to the first half of the fight. Hope you like Patch and uh, and Fists. Being exactly the same as their first iteration. Yep. yep. Yeah. yeah. It really seems like something they've had difficulty with, and that they're very well aware of uh and that it's essentially a balancing act between recoverability and complexity in the later parts of fights. And they essentially just turn that dial uh, to shorten or lengthen how long it's going to take to prog a fight. Let's just be glad, as somebody who recently went back and did some second Coil Savage, that they don't have HP percentage pushes anymore, because that shit sucks. <laughs> I hate HP-based percent. I, 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 I spent way too many hours on sign to ever want that again. Okay. I've spent between... A realm reborn and revisiting it. I don't ever want it again. Sincerely, the range DPS kiting the ads. Okay. So. I think there's a right and a wrong way to do it, but it's <laughs> mostly been wrong back then. A11 there's there's an okay way to do yeah, it. Yeah, eleven savage fucking skipping well, lapis. That was ridiculous. That was so. I was so weird. That was pretty ridiculous. But like, I, I think Warrior weird. of Light. Warrior of Light is a good example of a way to do it where it's fine. Where you can yeah, still see every, you still have to know everything, but you may not do a specific thing if you're like fast enough. Yeah, right. You just jump to the ads phase in Warrior of Light if you push fast enough. That's yeah. it. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you still have to know every mechanic. Also, like chaos. I mean, chaos. Everyone in Stormblood, chaos was one of the most, you know, complimented encounters because even though it was still technically the same front and back, like a lot of their other encounters, the order it happened was different. You know, it was one of two possible patterns. So you still had to know everything. You weren't just going to skip a phase towards the end. And it's semi-randomish. So that, and they, that's, uh, Shadowbringers has only gotten better and better at that semi-randomness that uh, makes you don't 
makes you feel like you're hitting something that isn't so predictable. I suppose. So 10 out of the way, speaking of uh, just making sure there's little tiny differences every single pull, uh, E11 um, was, in my opinion, our only good third encounter this raid tier. I can say there's a few decent mechanics in Leviathan. The whole fight, I don't really praise. But this, I, I had a lot of positives coming out of E11. I don't know if you guys felt the same. I agree on all fronts. The only good third fight, this expansion. Mostly agree. Um, the only thing I have to slightly disagree is I think we're a step back in the form of randomness because it's very linear. Yes. But other than that, it was solid, <laughs> yeah. It's like micro differences because like some of it's scripted enough that it's never different and some of it's like one of two options but it's always the same order kind of thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's basically a 50-50. But it, it also taught me that people don't look at bosses. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, and I'm guilty of it too. So the big thing with E11 is it's it's E2 on crack, essentially. It's Voidwalker on crack, with some extra stuff thrown in. It's I mean it's it's literally Proteans, Align AoE, and knockbacks. I don't know. Like that's I I eventually boiled it down to it being Voidwalker. Everyone was like, oh, what if Voidwalker was you know, a harder fight. And some of it's here and some of it's in E12. Uh, so I, I see the parallels you're talking about, in particular the Protean and the... I actually called Burn Strike Guillotine when we were in Prague. And at first I think people were like, wait, what? Oh, he means from Voidwalker. Yeah, because it's the same attack. Yeah. We call it Hibachi. Hibachi? Because it's because he says, Hibachi! But oh. somebody... <laughs> Somebody heard it as hibachi, so it's hibachi now. <laughs> so turn your voices on, and now now that you've heard me say that, go turn your voices on and hibachi. I have the voices on, and I still don't know what he's saying during uh, Powder Mark. It's like the, something about the feel of steel. It's like nothing. I don't know. <laughs> You're not going anywhere for the the grab the grab attack. That's the bound, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the that's bound that's bound by whatever. Oh man, this fight um I don't know this this fight um I almost don't know how to discuss it because it, it's. Did you pay attention to normal? Yeah, that's actually something we kind of skimmed over. I feel like this is a tier where normal has been more useful to learn the the fights than most of the tiers from. Before. It's always been useful. People have always underplayed the idea of understanding the first playthrough of normal as well as possible, and then seeing it in savage. But in this tier, I feel like that's more true than it, it ever was in the previous. I feel like years. it's more evident. I feel like it's more evident in this fight more than anything. Definitely more like I'm team twelve, but yeah, I feel like it's more evident between you know nine and ten than yeah. Like, did you see everything in normal? Good, you know at least a good portion of the fight. Yeah. E11 normal has almost every single mechanic that's in Savage, excluding what? Yellow Tether? Yellow Tether's there? Yeah, he doesn't use single Protean in normal, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, because all the light mechanics are in. I think the only one that isn't in there. I know Lightbound is in there. Oh, the um, the Cleave. The Light Cleave, I don't think, is in normal mode. The one with you do the, the tanks and the light parties. 
Yeah. yeah we don't, there's no yeah. elemental break at all. In normal yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. there is no. There's none at all. Yeah, that's that's the one mechanic that, that's missing that becomes present. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you guys have much to discuss about this. The de- I just know our healers fucking despise the end. Like, they loved it, but in a way where they hated it. You know, the last, like, bunch of mechanics back-to-back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the you The cycles that weren't work, too yeah. bad. Um, Astro is really good at the cycles, and Aura yes. did really well. And we sorted it out really quickly that Temperance needed to be on the Lightning Cycle, and once we did that, uh, it was fine. Yeah, Lightning Cycle seems to be the big one because people spread out, so, like, it's harder to hit everyone with everything. And people sometimes spread cover out early, the, yeah. You can cover the dot from the um, Lightning Tether as well with it, which is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. definitely helps. Um, is there any? But is there anything in particular that this fight kind of... Made you feel other than, okay, thank goodness it's a good fight. Because that seems to be the only point of discussion I'm ever able to raise with this encounter. It's just not a super discussable fight, weirdly. Dive bombs. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, you'll be fine. Dive bombs. Yeah, so I'm I'm assuming you're talking about Sundered Sky dive bombs in particular, where people don't Yes. Yep, okay. Not only people don't look, but you can grief your party mates with the baits. <laughs> the second Sundered Sky. Yeah, that's that's brutal. Um, uh yeah. That's about it though. I mean it's it's don't don't get hit by the don't get hit. That's it. It's the it's forehead. That's it. Don't put your healers on the uh south Protean, please. Just let them have the east west, thanks. Yes. I request any and all groups out there. I don't, you know, it's been really weird. I've been seeing that a lot in Party Finders where the healers are, like, together. Like, I, I did a lot of... I did 99 Emerald Weapons already, and I hate myself. Um, and I didn't get my Monk Weapon until the 97th kill. Woohoo! <sighs> yeah, that was fantastic. Um, I was really worried I was going to have to do 109 for a second. And so many Party Finders are, like, putting a healer, like, south and a healer, like, east. Or something like that. Or like a, a healer like southeast and northeast. And it's, I don't know. It's, it's, I've always been of the opinion healers should always be on opposite sides. And it just, this is the first year I've ever noticed that not translating to like everyone. Well, so, so it's something that we did before this prog. We specifically changed our default proteans to have tank south, healer east west. And it just so turned out to be the tier where that is perfect for essentially every single fight. Yes. The only thing that's sketchy is the uh devouring dark the the tank buster in the first fight because yeah. it has to like you don't want it to turn around and shoot south. But I we saw that. And people are also yeah, just like, like, actually now. fucking do that. Yeah. <laughs> Sly's so upset. And it's fucking weird. Like Like why? Like don't make me true north more than I actually absolutely fucking have to. But why? Is there a reason? Like, I'm legit asking, is there a fucking reason? They're just trying to stay in their their clock position. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. They're trying to stay clocked in their clock position without moving. You can, but the theory of it makes sense, but it's weird. So a lot of groups now, they put the tank on the East Protean for that, just because then they, they can move up and they can shoot it Northeast so that the boss doesn't turn very much, or they yeah. shoot it straight North and have the tank swap positions either way. And then they keep those spread positions for the other fights. And let me tell you, doing cycles on healer, that if you put me at south and I have to be spread there, and then there's immediately a burnt strike, I'm dying. Yeah. 
<laughs> I got a heal, man. Yeah, you're so very dead. By the way, Kyo, your mic started to kind of break up a little bit. Oh, I apologize for that. I'm probably speaking too loud. No, mate, I don't know. I'm not sure. I wasn't sure if it was lag or if it was loud. But you're passionate, so it's okay. I'm just letting you know. Okay. Um, calm down. No, you're good. Just it's all the passion. That's all it is. That's why. That's why we, we're glad to have. We you like here. the passion. We like the passion. We like the passion. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's not a very high quality mic, unfortunately. Yeah, I just see people uh, tank and vulm devouring darks now. Like, I think there's one tank, one you can't tank and vulm. Yeah. And that's kind of it. Especially if you have warrior. Oh my god, warrior is god tier for the way tank busters work in this freaking tier. Because there's, you can usually tank and vulm the first two, but if you have warrior, the warrior can usually take the third one, and then you can use the other tank and vulm on the fourth. And on most of the mechanics, it seems like that's, other than E12, kind of like the standard to do. But my word. That's really nice. Yeah. So for, I think that works for Devouring Dark. I think you can do the first, the third, and then the other tank to the second, fourth. You never have to do that awkward-ass swap. And I know for two it works with Umbra Smash. You can invuln every Umbra Smash if you do that, too. Um, so that's that's really nice. Um, then there's uh, E11, where you mentioned uh, trying to keep the boss from turning. Man, E11, that is not, that is not the... No one's ever going to fix that, no. are they? Nope. Because the boss turns to face random players. So if the players stay together, you can control it. But that's never going to fucking happen. Never going to happen. Because <laughs> everyone's just in their clock positions, like, the whole time. Right. So it's always, like, turning this way, turning that way, turning this way. Over and over and over again. That is really fucking annoying. Even as Dancer, I'm kind of annoyed by how much that boss turns. That may be one thing that they could have thought of a little better with this encounter. It's kind of nice that he doesn't always I mean, just look the same I mean, way, but at the same time, it's like, fuck you. It's very oh, similar. Do you get people to stack? <laughs> yeah, I don't... We know it's never going to happen. No. Go ahead, it's, it's, Sorry. Uh, yeah, I was going to say it's very similar in that regard to Innocence Extreme, where you oh, can God. actually circumvent the fact that he turns a bunch by stacking correctly, and, a, and the speed kills at the time did that, and they will probably end up doing that in this fight too. But it'll be some time till we see it. Yeah, he does. I remember Innocence. That's for, that's for the better. I, I like RNGing uh, not having to move a burnt strike. <laughs> if it somebody who's on the side of me, I can just stay there. Yeah, oh. that's, uh, that's kind of the only big thing there. Yes, Fia? They talked about the damage difference required between ten, uh, sorry, nine and ten, which is about ten percent, and yeah. then going from ten to eleven is a big jump. Uh, quite the opposite of what we're seeing for the rest of the tier, oh, for the rest of this expansion, sorry. Uh, with what was it? E seven was three percent harder than E five in terms of damage required. Whereas if you are only counting uptime. In E11, it is 25% harder than E9, with so 125k uh, required. Okay. It's, yeah. I think this specifically is why they said it's going to be the prog stopper, as Yoshi P put it. Uh, and I've seen a lot of pug groups, and even, you know, like, mid-core static struggle with that. Yeah. The check is no joke on that one. A lot of groups are struggling. Yeah. Uh... I suppose. It, it, it kind of is also thrown off that he has a couple of really big downtime phases, like three really big downtime phases. 
which uh, was kind of surprising to see because the, the the other fights don't really promote a whole lot of downtime when it comes other than unless your strategy does. There really, really are like 100% uptime encounters, uh, you know, barring dropping an AOE out of the way. But this one is literally like stop and do what I tell you to do and then get hit by dive bombs. Well, it's not, it's not just the fact that there's downtime, man. I've seen groups that they don't have bad damage. Like, they do, maybe they're not speed killers, but their damage is pretty okay, or could, go through the entire fight without any deaths or damage downs, maybe like a healer damage down, and then they enrage. And it's, huh? Like, they don't usually do that on the third fight. So, this one is just a little step up from the previous ones. Yeah. And uh, I I think it just makes for I don't know again hard to discuss. It's just a good encounter, through and through. It's yeah. it's it's got all the checks that you need. It's got more intense healing at parts. You know a lot of individual responsibility for where you belong. Not too much divergence in strategy though. It seems it seems like mostly placing proteans in the in the trios is the big thing because you can actually fit four mm-hmm. people on each flank instead of just going to clock positions, and that makes it easier to do all the follow up mechanics. Um, so I'm not sure if we'll ever see people properly adjust to doing that. Oh, that'd be nice for cycles. Yeah, that's the whole that's the whole thing it's for. It's specifically as soon as he starts casting, you can move four people to each flank, and then there's enough space to do all the mechanics still. Hmm. Um, it's tighter, obviously. If anyone fucks up, it's, you're going to notice real quick. But um, because yeah. you put markers, I mean, markers won't even help. That's the problem. You can't even put markers because he's going to turn all over the place. But it's uh, you can do it that way, and it definitely it definitely helps because I know I see a lot of people die. The whoever's north and south, like you said, they they do their whatever their fire, their lightning, and then they just die to the burnt strike that comes right that after. Was, that was the thing in cycles in E two S yep. where you'd have people in a very specific layout so that you would have space uh, where the nicks were baited. Yep, that's why you just put the tanks north and south. They just they just get the damage down. It's not quite <laughs> as critical. Well, when they get hit twice by lightning, it hurts. Because then people always forget about lightning. Lightning's the real killer there. Everyone, the damage is high on lightning, everyone's spread out, and then people get hit by the the expando. Expando AOEO. And then it's bad news all the time. And people forgetting who, what, that they have the tether. That was a, that was a fun one, also. It's <laughs> worth mentioning, <laughs> worth mentioning that it had one of the more interesting raid lines as well, compared to most other fights. Like the, the, Damage plus dot yeah. created an interesting scenario where you couldn't just not mitigate it. it you know, a, a good comparison here is like Shockwave Pulsar in 12. Just, yeah. just talking about the AOE is you can largely ignore it. Don't mitigate it. Don't need to put anything on it. Just full health and shields. Done. It doesn't matter how low it drops us. We'll be fine. Yeah. But burn, Burnish Glory, you want to throw mitigation at it because the dot carried over into the subsequent mechanics. Yeah. It's all and, just... Um, more interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, Almagest. It's yeah. similar to that. Although Almagest was sort of its own thing, right? It usually didn't overlap with other mechanics. Yeah, yeah. Um, very much. And it hit. I think the initial hit was also a lot more threatening in Almagest, and I think the dot was also probably more threatening. It, yeah, Almagest was literally its own. Let's pop everything here and make this as safe as possible. Whereas yeah. Burnish Glory is like, I want to ignore this AOE. I want to use none of my tools on it. But you get punished for it every time if you don't put anything in it. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Other than that, unless you have something to add to 11, we can jump to 12. I do, actually. Oh, okay. I think hmm. progressing it was quite unique in that there wasn't really any puzzles. 
I think the most cryptic part of that entire fight is baiting the dragon one direction during uh, the second intermission. Yeah. Yep. And that's in normal um, mode, too. Again, that's another is. normal mode thing that carried over. Everything else is entirely execution-based. You know exactly what's going to happen. It's just see and do. And, and react to the element. In this game. Yeah. yeah. Especially in the third fight. Especially in the third. The third's usually cryptic in most tiers. Cryptic, and, and then it gets it gets picked apart like E7 does, and everyone's like, oh, it's actually a joke. So when I think of, like, gold standard of third fights, um, no, excepting Cordius, um, I think of O3. Uh, because I think that was just a really good dance fight where there were multiple very interesting phases, and for a lot of those phases, there was some some problem-solving to do. Yeah. But how are we going to do this? How are we going to spread people properly for the Grim Reaper dive bombs so that we don't run into each other? How are we going to um, deal with the tile phases, the spreads, the folio? There's Proteans that's jumping across the room. How are we going to handle the ads? A lot of questions and answers, but this was the departure from yep. that sort of style quite a bit. Yeah, Biblio, Biblio positions in Halicarnassus were in particular quite the, uh, the interesting ones. They ended up being pretty easy at the end, oh, but yeah. that getting to the point where it was easy was, uh, effort. Let's put it that way. Hmm. At least I feel it was. Halicarnassus still holds up to this day. One of the few Stormblood fights I feel held up throughout the ages. Not the only one, but one of the only ones. Unfortunately, whereas, Shadowbringers has had pretty good overall raid tiers. The third fights other than this one sucked. Stormblood had really good third fights for the most part. Guardian per individual. Um, and, and, the, and a lot of the first two fights weren't super great. Except for like chaos. So we have, we got a better ratio here of good fights, I feel, in Shadowbringers. Yeah. Uh, then you tell me. What a lot. Mr. Happy, are you, are you telling me you don't have nightmares where someone's just screaming ink at you and you get hit by a car? No, because I'm the one screaming that's... ink. <laughs> like ink positions, <laughs> ink positions, ink positions. Listen, chat, I liked Midgard's armor, and I was monk, okay? I liked Midgard's armor, but I didn't have to deal with tank swaps, so I get a pass on that. All right. The problem with Midgard's armor... Is the problem with the 11s, and it's that the Final Fantasy XIV player base does not ever want to react to anything. They are incapable. And it had Exa flares, and nobody was ready for that except Uka players at that point. <laughs> it's like Exas. You mean they move? Like Biako? What is that? Uh, then we move on to E12, our finale. And before we even talk about the encounter, I gotta, I gotta ask, door boss, yay or nay? Fan of it? Not a fan of it. We'll start with you, Keo. Um, I was really happy it was a door boss. I was, you know, you didn't know at first, weren't sure, and I was very happy it was a door boss. I think door bosses can be done well. And I was a big fan of some of the door boss. Um, uh, X-Death was an excellent door boss. MNF was also an excellent door boss, but it can also be done poorly. I don't like Kefka as a door boss. I did not yes. enjoy that fight at all. Finally, someone who agrees with me. I hate Kefka. <laughs> and, of course, Faust is one of the most criticized door bosses of all times in all of his appearances. He's the OG! 
he's criticized for being just a striking dummy, which is a fair criticism. And um, this this one was done exceptionally well. I think that even the promise is a great example of how to do door boss. Sphia, yay or nay? So, I thought Xeth was okay when it happened. I thought Kefka sucked. I thought MNF should have been its own fight. And then I kind of thought about it more and I realized I really dislike door bosses when I'm expecting them. When I know that it's going to be a door boss which goes into a boss afterwards. Um, I also really dislike the way that Stormblood handled the entire encounter design because of the inclusion of a door boss, which they changed the formula on this time. So in this regard, I think it was a really, really good implementation of something which I was previously pretty unsure of. Would you like to elaborate on what changed that... uh... Uh, Right. So what happened, and I'm pretty sure that this is all because of what happened with the design of Exeth at some point in the development cycle, that my theory is that they had the fight in O4SB, you kill Exeth, cutscene happens, Neo-Exeth comes out, and you kill him after Grand Cross Omega. But then they thought, that's too hard. What we're going to do is cut, we're going to put a checkpoint in, and we're just going to loop the second boss and make it way longer. And they did that for every subsequent final fight, where you get to 50-60%, and then you don't see anything new. Hey, man. God Kafka was like 30%. <laughs> he at least had three forsakens before he started copying himself. He had a little further. Yeah. I hate God Kafka. What it did was it made all of the fights really predictable. Yeah. Uh, really, it felt uninspired. And honestly, kind of like, part of the magic of Final Fantasy XIV Prague is that you don't know what you're getting at any given time. And so every single extra piece of information that they give you about expectations, about anything like that at all, about structure, it takes away from the experience overall a little, I think. So you felt that they took Shadowbringer's boss design, put it in both the door boss and the fi- and the, the follow-up boss, and and avoided that identity to the Stormblood door bosses. Yes. They, they finished the, both fights, basically. Yeah. Okay. They took the best parts of the Stormblood boss design and fixed the bad part. Okay. Okay. My biggest criticism across all the Stormblood boss, uh, door bosses, this includes X-Death and MNF, although less, to lesser extent MNF, MNF was better about this, is they, they had very simplistic um, mechanics. There was usually like one gimmick, uh, like in X-Death, it was whether he was reaching into the void or not, um, and in Kafka, it was you know the little question mark debuff, whether he was inverting his mechanic or not, it was a gimmick. And other than that, the execution was very simple, but it was punishing. If you screwed something up, what? Or if you screwed something up, there's no way you're making the check. The check was just extremely tight. And I thought that was kind of... I, I They could have done more with it. A door boss is more than just a simple gimmick and a really hard DPS check. There's, you can do more with it. And then MNF, MNF came around... And there was more complexity. They had these gauntlets, the you know sh- the shield phase or the um, the the female like sword legs phase. Uh, 
those were more interesting gauntlets of, of lots of mechanics executing together, and that was more fun. And then big finale to it with the uh, the whole eyeball Cosmo memory thing. Yeah, I I enjoyed that a lot more. And then we come to Eden's Promise and this door boss, and it is literally its own complete fight. It feels very complete as a, as a boss and interesting. And it's not this gimmicky fight like the door bosses were before. And that's my biggest praise for it. Yeah. Yeah, I have similar praises to that. I'm still never a fan. Just in Prague, I don't like door bosses. It never feels good to have to like leave every 15, 20 minutes if you don't get it in like a pull or two because you need to save the lockout. And I'm, I'm never a fan of it in Prague, but I think it can be okay in the follow-up weeks. Uh, but that doesn't mean the fights are bad. It just means I'd rather have one 13, 14-minute fight like Titan and Shiva than two, what were these, eight and a half minutes and nine minutes? It was like 17 minutes or something altogether. In yeah. Prague, door bosses actually create this really interesting dynamic after you've beaten them, where it puts added pressure on your time, especially if you're racing. It kind of it adds this extra layer of, like, you have to consider value of pulling versus value of sitting down and strategizing, and that's not really something you get elsewhere. You know, in a lot of other fights, Ultimate, for example... If you want to sit down and have a 30-minute conversation about the phase you've just seen, that's fine. That's encouraged a lot of the time. But if you do that after you've just cleared the door boss, you feel like you're wasting a lot of time. And it just... I like the... Even though it's kind of like an illusion of pressure, I like that. Agreed. Chat, chat, okay, uh, Oh, no, slide, go, go, go. Slide. No, I have a question in, re- in okay. regards to that. Um... Obviously, you know, now we, we have all these, we have all these newfangled tools to use. Like, in terms of people, like, seeing strats and stuff for, for PF, um, people using stuff like Toolbox, which I don't know if any of you, yeah. Toolbox um, is great. Yeah. So I was gonna see, say, uh, I was gonna ask, like, was, any of that utilize, or did y'all just go straight off the cuff? We did the tried and true North American strategy of placing markers on the ground and standing around it. <laughs> Excuse me, we are a a paint group. Yeah, if we, if okay. we do right. tools, that's what, it's, the, P, that's what the P and TPS stands for. Good one. But yeah, I'm just feel like we have like every. I wouldn't say every tier, but like. Every so often, tears we get all these newfangled things to use, and it feels like, like yeah, in, in between times where where you're taking a break, this this would probably be good to like go over a mechanic and you know get everybody together. What do y'all think? Yeah, I'm sorry. Could you repeat the question? Somebody was. I thought that was part no, of the example, actually. New, new tools. <laughs> yeah, I think the new, new tools, tools like toolbox. Mm, I think toolbox like is best usage is sharing strats between groups for sure. As far as developing strats okay. in your own group, I, I think it's a little cumbersome still. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's incredible as a means of sharing strategy because it's very easy to look at a toolbox and absorb what it's doing and go, Oh, okay. I see. It makes sense. It highlights the important parts of the strategy and also people don't do well with text in your graph. Yeah, like by default, usually you get more understanding through images. 
So yeah, toolbox is great in the PF community, but mm-hmm. inside of groups, ultimately, it's I think inside of groups you you end up with these other tools. Right. And see, one thing one thing about like tools like that in, in regards to strategies and things like that is like, yeah, it, you, you can set down waymarks in front of a boss, but you're only you have limited space and whatnot. Um, I think we've kind of referenced referenced this before, Mike, but actually having a, an arena, just a blank ass arena where nobody's there to just uh, you know place waymarks and you know practice movement or things like that. Right. What would you would you be okay with that or I I don't ever think my least favorite thing I hate doing this more than anything in Prague is people want to go to turn four in coil and practice markers and movement there I hate it mm-hmm. because you know what doesn't translate the arena itself and all the little mm-hmm. knickknacks on it that you can use to designate what a safe distance is so e twelve. In particular, all the arenas have little indicators that you can use for mechanics. Yeah. For example, the burnt strike, that little metal plate in the middle, that's the max distance of burnt strike for, for the lightning AoEs, for example. Yes. And that's and I feel like something that's that's something we really didn't touch in terms of how pretty much the arenas, like this tier did a good job of I guess Marking placements, yeah. In terms of where to go and where where you should be, you can um, tell they very E eleven S. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, you can tell they very clearly design the arenas around telegraphing where you should be for mechanics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you realize that, and then you see the door bosses floor arena, if you don't feel terror, then you're you don't understand when they when they give you a full on grid to work with. Like, oh no. I'm gonna have to measure it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're gonna have to do fucking. We, we literally, for our lions, we're like, oh, we're one square to the left. Or we're one exactly. square to the right. So it's like, mm-hmm. and then for the second part of E12, especially for advanced relativity, progging that, I mean, every single AOE, the arena even changes in E12 for some mechanics to give you reference points for the yeah, AOE. Triple, triple APOC is a different ground pattern than the other parts of yeah. part two. There, it's mm-hmm. it's a constantly. They it was clearly a top priority in development to make these to give the arena some form of indication without showing you the AOE marker, and that's a skill that I think a lot of people. I remember going back to Heaven's Ward and everyone doing nipple strats. Where if there's a nipple on the arena, you find that nipple, you stand on that nipple. Okay. <laughs> God, I remember <laughs> nipple strats. Those were so good. There's dick strats, nipple strats. There's line strats, oh, there's all sorts of strats, and people use the arena for them. And that's why I, mm-hmm. even if you gave people room to practice, I mean, turn four already, you can just go into turn four if you really want that. And I, but I hate doing it because it just doesn't always translate to when you're on the arena itself. If you still don't know, oh, this AOE will always hit this area. And then you go to that general yeah. area, but you still get hit. It just, it doesn't fix anything. So, I they could do it if they want, but as far as I'm concerned, we already have that with turn four. You can already do that. Yeah, I have the same opinion as you, Happy, about turn four. I think the one exception to actually, you know, being fully against it is a uh, a door boss fight where your lockout timer is really precious. So sitting around talking about a mechanic while you're 
looking at the floor so, can be detrimental. And you can often pull up a diagram or a footage of the floor that you've already been looking at. I'd rather do that. So you're, yeah. so you're a fan of something like um, Baja, Castrum, whereas you beat the door boss, you gain more time? Something like that? Uh, not necessarily. I like the, the added time limit uh, it's sort of dynamic that it adds by having a door mm-hmm. boss. Uh, I just think that if you're having that dynamic in play, uh, then using T4 is kind of okay. It adds more value to it because you're, you know, by practicing in there, not wasting your lockout timer after you've killed uh, the door boss. I mean, resetting instance every two wipes is not fun, but I don't think it's enough not fun to remove the more complicated, interesting aspects of time management. So I would say it's not the market presets too. Yeah, true. The market presets are actually really nice. Yeah. Hmm. I just hate turn four. <laughs> I spent a I, lot I of think, time in turn four over the raid tiers, and I don't like being in there. <laughs> I think the it's overused. Yeah. I think the worst thing about T4, and this is just an absolute crime, and I hope they never do it again, is that it spawns you in not facing north. <laughs> facing yeah. you northeast. <laughs> and it throws everyone off. You know, you know Svi, I saw another group... Yep. Yeah, yeah, it does. I saw another group practicing in Ifrit. You know, they just they go in, one shot the boss, and it's a nice circular arena. That's another oh, interesting. Yeah. I just don't like <laughs> using when arenas are. If an arena is a blank slate and there's nothing on the arena you can use to designate, and it's that like if it was if it was just like paper white the whole thing over, yeah, use whatever arena. But uh it's just it's so hard to to drive home exact positions when you're not looking at least at a diagram of the arena itself. So so I think T4 has some very specific good uses, and it's over most of the time. But the good uses are, one, pre-prog, we settled our assignments, things like protein positions, intercardinal groups, cardinal groups, rotations. Like, we have various pre-planned assignments, and T4 is excellent for having those, like, screenshots of those positions and then putting them in your, like, Discord. Very good. And then another thing is if you're doing movements relative exclusively to the waymarks and you're ignoring the arena, you can replicate your waymarks and do that. If that's how your strategy operates, it's around exclusively the waymarks. But that's rarely the case. Usually you're using the ground. So in those two situations I like it. Other every other case, not good. Use the use the ground if you can. It's just a lot easier to measure. On that note, E twelve itself. We, we've praised it, we've talked about the door boss, setting up the arena floor. We haven't actually talked about the fight. Um, I said earlier that I think normal mode is more valuable than anyone gives it credit for in this tier in particular, and oh man, does memorizing those cast AoEs really come in handy. Because once again, the arena tells you all the info, you just need to know where it applies. And I don't mm. know if that was a, a thing you found particularly helpful going in to remembering where to be for all of these. Mechanics. So, I could just, you know, not pay attention to normal mode, because while that does tell you where to stand, we have this thing called Cleese, and Cleese tells you where to stand. <laughs> it's true. I didn't pay Cleese attention to cast. I didn't pay attention to cast or stock once, the entire time. Oh, boy. 
Is that that the new program now? Is that the new program, Cleese? Get yourself the Cleese bot? Some people use ACT Collab. (laughs) We use the Cleese Collab. Cleese is a legit ACT plugin. Okay, all right. He he was actually mega consistent with those, too. It was crazy. See, I paid attention to them and then also called them in the middle of all of them. Because I, I just like to absorb knowledge. Right, but remember who we are, TPS. It's literally about turning your brain off as much as possible. You just you funnel the thoughts into him so you don't need to use them. Exactly. He's the, he's the, he's the, he's the vacuum. Yep. Good old Cleese vacuum. All right. <laughs> I will say shout out to Ninth Man's. We had a Ninth Man, too. Revenge was our Ninth Man. Um... It's so nice having somebody doing stuff when you're just fighting. <laughs> yeah, I think this was this was our first time really experimenting with like live callouts, you know, and uh, and surprisingly effective. What's a knife man? I mean, just be willing to clear for your knife man after a week or two. Of I, I feel weapons. like this has been this has been the tier of the knife man, like. I feel like it, like, I don't know if it's been, if the Ninth Man has been utilized, like, as much as it has in this tier than in, like, maybe last tier. Like, we weren't really talking about having a Ninth Man last tier or things like that. Um, I don't know, because we didn't have one last year, but we're not racing. So that's the big thing with us. We're not, we're not, like, competing for top. I remember the old days of having three different statics on the same fight and then just talking amongst each other. That was, that was the old school knife man. Yeah, that was the old It doesn't happen anymore. (laughs) It really doesn't happen anymore. It's Mm. interesting, because if you'd asked me, like, two tiers ago, I would have told you, Savage Tears, knife man isn't really that influential. We would have said, you know, largely the fights go by so fast. And there's just not a whole lot to talk about in between the poles most of the time. That the ninth man ended up just sitting there doing nothing. But this tier definitely changed my opinion. Because seeing what Cleese could do and just how much influence a ninth man can have on a savage tier is, uh, yeah, it can be really a powerful tool. It's especially a powerful, powerful ally. When you don't pay attention at all on normal mode. <laughs> True. <laughs> Interestingly enough, uh, we were about 30 minutes late starting because Keo managed to 90k twice at server coming up. Uh, yes. So all of our normal mode was just please watching you guys happy and then telling us what happened. How does it always boil down to this? It seems like every tier somebody tells me they watch my stream for something. And I don't know why. They want those... They want those happy strats, man. I, I, I tell you that we walked, like, we hadn't, uh, awoken Titan and Uwu until seeing it on your stream. Cause you guys did that, like, first, right? I think you awoke I don't Titan know. I sincerely first. doubt we were first. You might no, have no, no, hours I, of that was, was Prague happy? Do you remember? What happened? Like, before you, how many hours was that before you? Uh, it was like, only eight hours before, woke? before we found out about waking. Period. That was just finding out about waking, not about doing it. Then we had to go back and do it. Because um, people said the same thing about predation when we were just taking the predation to the face with the mitigation. Everyone's like, oh yeah, fuck that. Let's just do that instead of dodging it for real. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's reckless, but I agree. <laughs> 
And I'm like, what? How me? How is it us? I don't understand. We've had so much better groups out there than than the ones that I have me in, in doing input. Well, just any any stream for us would have been good because we were so late. There you go. That's like, the because answer because of my ninety k. Um, we just needed the info. Like the idea was to catch up a little bit by not dying to some gimmick that some other group ran into in the normals, and you know, Clancy would see it and tell us, "Oh yeah, yeah, watch out for this. It's you can wipe here." And then we did. What it also it. reinforced is we will probably never stream Prog. That's a big. That's still a big topic, obviously, with WoW now, like really fully adopting mm-hmm. that, and uh, Frosty, of course, doing the charity stream for the groups that are streaming, which is really exciting and an awesome event. Um, is that the the ones who are at the top still winning, not streaming? <laughs> that has. I'm a, still an advocate. I'm still an advocate for like delayed streams, but it's a it's an uphill battle. Something like a two hour delay. Um, yeah, but I don't know. That. It'd be nice if people could at least follow us on our journey, even if it's a delete Wasn't there... But, didn't didn't somebody stream, like, Ukob Prog, and they just put the health bar or something, and then, like, cut comms so you couldn't hear... It was literally just health bar on the screen, or some shit like that. Somebody did something like that. I was thinking of doing that for this tier, but I couldn't find a way to stream and record... And shadow play all of that at the same time without doing weird things to my OBS or running multiple OBS. I just didn't want to eat the performance loss. I know how you could, but you're right. It would suck. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you could just do little Discord streams. We actually use Discord streams to talk do about stats. Do a pay per view. Yeah, do a pay per view on Discord. <laughs> a pay per view. You know, the only people paying people who are who are racing for world first. <laughs> Like, oh, we need to steal their strats, give them 10 bucks. What the fuck? We actually, we had some interesting with Discord streams. You remember streaming? Mm-hmm. The, um, we had the Discord stream up, as Cleese, you know, obviously Cleese was watching. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even if you're not in the channel, if you can see the channel, you can preview mm-hmm. the stream by hovering your cursor over it. So, uh, that was a thing. Oh, yeah, our crafters were saying that they were frequently mousing over my live stream to make to check where we were freaking out every time they saw purple <laughs> reasonably so oh that's what I'm assuming that's an E12 thing I don't see colors well so I'm assuming that's right, yeah, phase yeah. 2 E12 <laughs> I was like purple yeah, phase 2 goes oracle. purple yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it says darkness not, it's the oracle of darkness not oracle of purple <laughs> Um, and still we haven't talked about the fight. I think this is a really discussable fight, but oddly enough, the discussion around most of our, 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 our E12 discussion is about the elements that surround it and progressing mm. it. Because I guess at the end of the day, it's still just testing kind of the things that have already been tested. If you've been able to do 9, 10, 11, like you have everything you need, and then you just go into 12 and it's, it, it's just as good of an execution as you can come up with. I don't know if there's any particular aspect about, like, the icicles or the titan bombs or your, I guess, uh, how you feel about the inclusion of E4 and E8, essentially, in this fight, because that's what it is. The integration of normal mode, the add phases, the giant, you know, normal mode has that huge memory phase that, like, everyone's like, oh, this takes too long. It's in Savage, but it's, like, condensed and, like, all built into the boss itself. So I don't know if any of those specific elements intrigued you going into Savage mode. 
let me tell you, if you had not done Titan, you would have absolutely hated this fight, having to learn all of that, the functions of those things. Like, if your group was completely 8 of 8, nobody's done Titan before, that particular phase is going to take you probably hours longer. For anyone who doesn't know, it uses the... There's orange... Blue and yellow markers. Blue and yellow. Yeah. yeah, and they all are green. I don't fucking know. I don't know why I'm trying to be the one who tells people this shit. Uh, and they work exactly the same as the tiles in Titan E4S, but it's on bombs instead. So you're like, if you're the triangle, then you just blow up the bomb you're tethered to. If you're orange, then you need to blow up the one you're tethered to, but you also need to be with somebody else. And blues destroy the one you're standing on and every adjacent one. And so you need to do that all, blow up all the bombs without overlapping any explosions. And uh, it's quite a good remix on E4 Savage's tiles, in my opinion, because uh, it's transferable knowledge, but the way that it actually, the way the control you have of it's, I don't know, I, I almost find it more satisfying than Titan's tiles by the time Definitely. all is said and done. Definitely. Felt I'm, more interactive, like you had more control over the mechanic. Yeah. And I think that's always, always the better way to design things. So having less space to work with? It's not even just less space, it's it's the the object it interacts with. Because on E4, it's the floor. And here, Mm -hmm. it's it's a a bomb that you're interacting with. You're determining the bomb's behavior. And Mm -hmm. in Titan, they kind of cut off how many... Like, when he does uplift, there's only one way to solve it. Pretty much, yeah. You know, that's the point. I was mm-hmm. Yeah, at. overlapping circles makes it much more interesting, like strategically, and at least initially, like it. They all the squares are isolated in E4S. Yes. In this one, they're they're all overlapping. It makes it interesting. Like, oh, wait, how do how do we do this? Yeah. Um, even though we understand the concepts of it, but it wasn't very hard. I don't think any group had any amount of difficulty with that once it was like a tiny little puzzle when you first saw it like where do we put these okay we've been right here no problem yeah maybe a minute of thinking about it yeah honestly um the mechanic that i feel like is communicated at least in our progress the shiva icicles we just kind of eventually figured out where to stand and then everyone shuts the hell up the whole phase (laughs) it's like the least community i don't know if you have any if you have any thoughts on that too because the icicles took us like a few tries we figured out where to where to drop them and then there's, that's it. It's just dead quiet and calms that entire that entire time. It's a pretty yolo mechanic yeah. when it resolves at the end, uh, and you kind of do just have to shut up and hope that nobody kills you at that point. <laughs> it wasn't so yolo in our prog, man. Phantom Fet- I mean, came up with a strategy that was very specific about where everyone was going to drop their stuff, where everyone was going to take their tethers, and it never happened. It never I, happened. We always did, went yolo. <laughs> I did every single pull, but. I don't think anyone else did. I tried to, but there was just sometimes, depending on the spawn pattern and where the tether was, where it was just like, I, I have to be middle for healing. I'm just going to go where I can. Pretty much. Yeah. Before all of that, though, I think my biggest complaint about the fight is that the opening minute and a half is real boring. Yeah. It's just either stack or spread, and then it's half or maybe, and then a cast, which, yeah. um, man, did I... I talk about being colorblind. It's really hard for me to see some of those tethers. Oh yeah, oh, at least they have different um, different graphics. That didn't them. help at fucking all. It made it made Ramuz harder to see, <laughs> and it meant that if I had I had to look at the crystal that was glowing, it was the only way I could reasonably tell 
which one was tethered. Because it was not different. It was not good enough for me with my stupid eyes. So that was a bit of a struggle. But um, I had I had fun in the first minute and a half yelling groups, 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 and then fucking dead. <laughs> yeah, somebody runs out anyway. Yeah, they're like, okay, I need to get my positional and dead. All right, got it. Yeah, and then I also had to come up with rhymes for all the cast in tight left and right. Tight enter cards. Oh, yeah. I got... I, I went to sleep end of day one, and I'm pretty sure all I dreamed was Klee saying far flanks, far flanks, far flanks, because oh my, we got that one a lot day one. and That's Ramu Ifrit. That's Ramu Ifrit. Stuck into my brain. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That was... For me, that was left-right. That was just... That was just... Uh, or east-west, one of the two. We also had our markers in spots, so I could say DB. Or I could say numbers for Garuda. All of our numbers were intercards. So I could just say, like, Garuda, Ramo was always numbers. So we had to come up with all sorts of, like, little quick things. Tight intercards was another one. So that, figuring out how to communicate all of those to the whole group in a way that was understandable was a time. At least I felt yeah, like sure. it was. <laughs> Figuring out what phrases to use was definitely like, because in the beginning you're using inconsistent phrases, like people are saying different things. And it was nice. Once those all got consolidated to a specific list of things to say, it got a lot easier. Yeah. And I think that's going to uh, be an interesting thing. Or people just knowing where to go based on <laughs> with what they see. That's probably the best way, and that's what the party finder is going to rely on. No way. People are going to be <laughs> tunneling on their rotation. You better see something. Yeah, but that's the whole, that's always the party finder. You have to think beyond that. The whole party finder always does that. Doesn't matter what you do. Coming out with nail quotes for callouts. Yeah, I'm I'm a non ACT callout user. Nail was uh, I had to open up a separate chat box for nail <laughs> and look oh, for, wow. and look for the correct words. Yep, I raised the font size, put a chat box on the screen, and said, "Okay, steel and fire. That means out then out then stack. I'm good." That was ever a, since they. Ever since the phrases were changed, it's uh, I, I haven't used ACT callouts for them, and it's fine. Yeah, they're much easier to understand now. Yeah, people are more. Of, yeah, sorry. Speaking of spoken lines, <laughs> they actually it. have yeah. voice acting on raid bosses now. Yep. Yes. In my Final Fantasy fourteen main raid, it's just I love it. We made fun of E eleven a bit for it. Yeah. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. Let's try something else. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> Even then, it was still really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was some voice plans in E8S, but not as much. Yeah, not as what, much. In Savage? Yeah. In Normal, yeah. I know Gaia doesn't shut her mouth. I don't remember I don't remember Savage for some reason. She says, like, come to me, Harris Belgar. And she yeah. goes into that. Uh, yeah. Every time she... Freezing. Every time you pull, she'd call you a fool. That would stoke the fires of conflict. Oh yeah, stoke the, I remember yeah. stoke the fires of conflict. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't. So I, I, I yeah. don't remember hearing this much because with with Eden, all I remember is hearing hearing is just fucking. We shall draw your memories from you over and over and over and over <laughs> again. She said something when you transitioned to the ad space as well. Yeah, um, she said something she for all. Yeah, she talks. She talks a decent amount, but there's way more in different ones in this in this yeah. tier. And it was in 11 as well as 12, both. Yeah. And especially in the second part. The first part has some, but then the second part she goes even more ham 
with all of her voice lines. Um, makes me wish we had actual voice lines in the raid quests, but you know what? That's a different story. Yeah. She will erase us. Yeah. I love the way she says erase. Erase. Yeah, erase. Uh, um, the big thing that I think most people talk about for E12, as much as you can talk about uh, Daddy Luma phase, um, for anyone who doesn't know, that's a Guardian reference, Dada Luma more so, but I call him Daddy. Uh, Sly, don't give me that face. It's Daddy Luma. It's just taking me back. Goddamn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's some discussion to be had around that. Um, but the Lions, Lion Rampant, as it has been deemed, is uh, the new hotness for hating everyone, apparently. Uh, how did Lion Rampant go for you guys? Because I know mm-hmm. it was... It's something... Before we get precedent for this, I'd say at least when I saw Lion's Rampant, I knew exactly what we what we had to do, like how it had to end. Unlike Light Rampant, when we saw that, we were like, I don't know what just fucking happened. All I heard was, kew, 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 as everyone fucking died. So... How did Lions Rampant go for you? <laughs> Keo, stop typing I am Zervan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Keo, tell us about Lions. This is your favorite no. mechanic. So, I, I've <laughs> talked about, um, I've said this to the group, but I'll say it before in different tiers that there's often, or individual raiders, there's mechanics that you have like an Achilles heel for. Different people have different ones, where it's just like, that mechanic, I suck at that one. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm generally good at mechanics, but that one, I suck at. For me, this was definitely the one. I tripped and fell in lines around this so many times. I just could not figure out, like, conceptually, I could understand where I had to go, and then I hit the moment, I'd be like, I don't remember where I have to go, and I just kill everyone. <laughs> um, it was rough. Oh, man. And obviously we're referring to week one strats where, you know, everyone's trying to think, you know, what's safest for people to get everywhere, and... You know, what's the least movement? How much movement do we want to do? Where should I sprint? And honestly, the most annoying thing for me is what cast, what got stocked? Because I hated in tight intercards, uh, Garuda, Leviathan the most, personally. Uh, whereas. You, you didn't bring a Cleese to week one prog? <laughs> no, we did. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's the movement more specifically. Um, cause we did, um, what did we do? We did like a, not really uptime, but like we didn't have people run all the way to the wall for, for one of the lions. We had them like kind of in the middle, but it would just like cleave through in a big ass cleave and you just had to, everyone had to be in the right spot kind of thing. So our strat was bad. Uh, <laughs> we essentially had to sprint, snapshot the room cleave, uh, have the people run to the wall at a very specific point. There were people getting hit by everything all the time. It took us a long time to actually iron that out. Uh, the problem with that mechanic is that if you want to do a better strat, you're either going to be sitting there figuring out exact angles of cones and doing a bunch of geometry, or you're going to be pulling a boss with a strat that you don't know will work. And neither of those things you ever really want to do in prog. Um, so you go with the thing that you know will work, even if it's a little harder to execute. And we did that, and we all hated it. And I just want to thank whoever the hell came up with, I think it was Ice, or his group, came up with the line strat, which I never want to do anything ever again. Other than yeah. Is that the, that's not the seal, that's not, because that's different from Bully Bully, which is the seal of Orichalcos. 
Oh, yeah, it's much better than that. I've tried both of them. Yeah, it's a line straight down through the middle, and the four marks and the two inside marks close to the middle are tethered to the west, and then the two outside marks in the middle are tethered to the east, and there's a big old safe spot in the middle west, and then you just... It, it, you know you're safe, and you're not going to accidentally. And, and all four, and all four always stand in the same exact spot. You can just like not exactly. resist. The healers don't have to worry about people going to the outside and all that. Yeah. All, and all four slots spots are very accessible after dodging the room cleave. Yeah, like you don't have to go very far to get to them. And yeah, it's just comfy. There's just so much extra room. I'll definitely have to take so. a look because I've seen the bully bully the seal of Oricalcos where you put people like. Northeast, northwest, southeast, like like across directly across from their lion, and then the parties are the two groups of two are north and south, like near their lion already, the whole time, pretty much. Seal of Oricalcos. I don't know why it's shaped like a seal of Oricalcos, but anime references, woohoo! It's a Yu-Gi-Oh reference, right? That is correct. Go to yep. be proud. Us <laughs> feeling. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll definitely have to check that one out. But at the very least, do you think it deserves the rampant? Because obviously that's a light ramp. That's a light rampant thing. That's that's where it gets the name from the the concern over its punishability. But uh, do you think it's deserving of that? Do you think that it'll that people will take to this better or worse than light rampant at the end of the day? Definitely. So is there a alias trap? It's a lot easier than rampant, light light rampant. But that's because it comes at the end instead of relatively early. Right. Yeah. I don't know if it's the deadliest. <laughs> but, uh, Light's Rampant was developed, designed, because it comes earlier in the fight, they could make it much more punishing and hard to understand. And so they did. So this is, I think, a lot easier to execute than Light's Rampant ever was. Just gotta remember that stock. I think that's probably the thing I, I see kill people the most, is they forget what's stocked while they're so focused on their line. Maybe Line Strat will reduce some of that stress. And you can live through a failed stock, too. Yeah, that's true. You can live through a failed stock. At least, as long as you point your lion away from everyone, it doesn't murder them. Even if you die because you failed stock, at the very least. I just can't stand in tight intercards, but with line strat, it doesn't sound like in tight intercards would be bad at all. It sounds like a couple steps, at most. Not very, very easy yeah. for everyone. Okay. I'm, I, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I, uh, I look and, forward to it. For most groups, Temperance is up. If you have a white nature, Temperance is up during line. Full health and shields going into the release of the stock, plus the line damage. Sometimes you'll even live that. Uh, if the healer like burst heals in between. As long as you don't get hit by both the stock elements at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then there's only one cleave left, so if you do die, it's not always a cascade. Yes. Yeah. The end of the fight. But I mean, that is the end. So you're just going to wipe the rage. <laughs> yeah, at that point. Yeah. I think we healer LB'd and killed it this week. Uh, I, I don't remember if that was the door boss, too. I know we did that on the the last boss, um, the final, final section. We actually, we do, we all died to advanced. Healer LB'd still beat the check. So that was nice. Um, I just want to, I just want to say real quick on the subject, uh, I haven't really talked about the healing in this fight in particular, but I thought the tank buster was very creative. Yes, where it's, sort of it's very two different, different debuffs. It's two different debuffs on each tank, and then you swap to give the debuff to the other one. So slashing and piercing, and then swap who gets who. 
Right. Except yeah, it, when our off tank forgets to be second threat. Yeah, that happened. Uh, that happened quite a few times with us, man. I've never seen Tate die to a mechanic more than when he is killed by aggro. Uh, although we had a paladin, so he would often try to cover him. But then, normally, in the rush to cover the the person who has it, like miss a like a cooldown or something, yeah. uh, and then and it's just get one shot. Yeah, and then it's just game over. Yeah. It's like all you're just describing is unreal damage. for me. Yeah, what happened? That's all you're it's describing like, is un- <laughs> That's all you're describing. Happy is unreal for me when I get aggro. We had a really funny occurrence in Unreal today where somebody fat fingered provoke by accident, but they didn't have stance on, so it just it would have gone right back. But because they provoked, the other tank said, "Oh shit, I guess I'll shirk them," and then we got Mountain Buster. <laughs> oh no! That was it. Was pretty funny when I saw it because I realized that it was such a mis- it was such a cavalcade of mistakes that it was just it was just funny. Oh, um, the, the, the tank buster in E12 phase one is kind of the first thing that you see in this fight, both phases, where you're like, "Holy shit!" The damage. Yeah, I got hit in the face as a DPS, and it did almost five hundred thousand damage. <laughs> Just the first hit. No debuff on me, just... They tuned the outgoing damage incredibly well. It's like, even if you do that that mechanic completely correctly with CD stuff, it is a healing nightmare. Because you have one GCD, there's no way you get more than one GCD between those two hits. And it's just so much damage. So it was a, it was an interesting sort of solution to try to like work out. I mean, the easy thing is we just involve the first and the third, you know, and then the second one's the hard one. Um, but the second one is just really hard if you have no involves. So there was some interesting creative solutions. Like, and we'll generally accept it now. We pop one involve per, so the healer just works on the other tank, and that's a lot more manageable. So yeah. man, I tell you, if you have no involves for one of those, it is really rough. Yeah, we did. We did one involve each. That that seemed like the best way to do it. Um, that way, you could always have like a resi X cog or something for. One of them, and that Resi Cog is a godsend. We uh, we definitely did um, double invul in the first and third, and for the second one, I just blew my benediction anyway. I didn't have it for the living bit of the last one. Right. Just like that. I'm not GCD healing that. I'll just, I'll just bene you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what benediction's there for. Living bit's easy enough to heal. True. It is, actually. Yeah. If you know what's coming, then it is. Yep. Um, then they do a little kind of just... Just, I guess, an end of phase, like, you know, can you pay attention one last time before, while you're finishing the DPS check kind of thing. It's very much a victory lap at the end. Yeah. It, yeah it, it's, it's, what yeah. I, it's what I like to call the Ultima, the, the weapons refrain effect, where it's all the primal AoEs at the end and you just have to kill the boss. Yeah. It's very much the same thing. It's even I honestly just, I honestly just feel like all that stuff is there to make it so you can't skip lines rampant. Because... There's so much extra time after that that as we gear up, we're still not going to do enough damage to skip lines right now. We're still yeah. going to have to do it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you'll, you might be able to make up for a mistake, like if two or three people die, because lines rampant's not instantly over if somebody dies, unless they die on the first one, in which case it's, that's bad. If they die on the second or third one, you might, if you're lucky, still get through. But it's not always looking so hot at that point. Um, now this is about eight minutes, eight and a half minutes for this door boss. And then you start a nine-minute final encounter. So one of the biggest things with door bosses and Stormblood, X-Death was 
just under five minutes, and then Neoxeth was like twelve. I think Kefka's seven, and then God Kefka's like ten. And then Omega, I think, is like eight and like eleven or something like that. It's all sorts of weird numbers. This they're kind of close to each other. I don't know if that you thought that was good or bad. Did that help the pacing of each encounter? Did did the encounters kind of handle that uh, that limited time well? Hmm. <laughs> Thinking about it, huh? I'm sorry. Did they handle? Did 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 the pace of the encounter? Because both the encounters are both the door boss and the final boss are approximately the same length of encounter. Do you feel like they paced the fights well, considering that, or did you think they were too short or anything like that? Yeah, I think this is. I think this is ideal, in my opinion. Go ahead. Yeah, I think they're okay, only because the sort of format of the second fight is the way that it is, where it's very, very debuff gauntlet mechanic heavy, uh, which is very, very different to the way that the first fight functions. If it was another C mechanic, execute mechanic, uh, second fight, I probably would have hated it, but because they feel very, very unique in the, the way that they play, uh, I think it's okay. Before talking about that, though, something we didn't talk about is probably one of the biggest problems that I see people struggling with, and that's door boss DPS check. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, people don't do enough DPS. That's why we kind of glanced. It's kind of glanced. Yeah. <laughs> well, damn, way to keep it fucking simple. Jesus. Hey, that's that's why I didn't bring it up because, like, I'm always thinking it because that's how we because Keo touched on it before we were talking about the door bosses of Stormblood and the severity of that. So, you know, people just don't do enough DPS. I, I don't know how to add anything to it. It it made a lot of groups fall into that week one trap. I want to call it of getting primal weapons. Uh. Obviously, depending on like the how serious your group is, it's more or less of a trap. But when we'd cleared and we went and watched Frosty's stream to see these people trying to clear as fast as possible, all of them an emerald weapon, and they're an emerald weapon. It was a bit surprising. Yeah. I didn't want to do Emerald Weapon, but I knew my teammates would want to because we did it last year, and it was just like, whatever, we'll just do it because yeah. we, we're not even going to discuss why. We're not going to hit a wall first. We're just going to go do it. That was it. And then it was memes for two hours, of, and I'm like, get me back to the real boss! All right. It was interesting that, uh, I mean, it wasn't like the TPS check got significantly easier with Emerald Weapons either. It felt like it was still just as hard for them as it was for us. So it's interesting. Crit variance, man. Seeing it. I, I guess so. Um, but it was, it wasn't like it was ever easy. Even when we were doing like our fourth clear of it in Prague, you know, like we zoned out of work only yeah. go back in. Even on our like fourth clear, it was still really tight. It was still really like close. We weren't super ahead except for maybe like one or two where we had super clean runs and good optimization and we actually like nearly skipped the last day we maybe not nearly skipped we killed with like mid cast bar um yeah it's not it's just not an easy check i think but uh, the thing with door bosses though i mean i'd say faust was only like that for mid core groups but like door bosses or man x i still always think back to x death x death was a nightmare dps i think this is 
This is one of the door bosses that had the most opportunities to lose damage. This just it's a long it's a long you know, eight minutes is long for a door boss. Um they're usually not that long. And it was a lot more mechanic heavy. There's a little more dancing. Especially in Lion's Rampant, there's just a lot of places to lose damage there. When you're focusing on just clearing the mechanic, you'll lose your uptime. Especially with certain strategies where you have to go over the walls, like a melee, for example, and you're just not GCDing for like two or three GCDs. And that matters so much when you're chasing two or three GCDs at the very end of the fight, just to make the check. Yep. So. Yeah, our melees definitely preferred getting north-south lions. <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt, that was the hope. Pretty much every pull. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, door boss hmm. DPS check. Uh, meanwhile, the second phase kind of falls into the same thing. Stormblood, so Stormblood door boss DPS check was almost always worse than the second half, and I feel like that held true here, um, even in week yes. one, uh, where the second boss is. Like you said, it's a debuff gauntlet. It wants to know you can do it more so than it wants to know how optimized you are. Even forcing downtime sometimes for mechanics, which, uh, you know, again, like I mentioned in, in 11, I'm not always a super big fan of. I prefer things like Ultimate Annihilation in Uwu versus Predation or Suppression. Uh, but it's what they decided to do. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know, do you think there's a good reason why they keep Doing this where the final, final boss just isn't, that never feels like it's as stressful as the door boss itself. It's just a weird idea to me. I think it's probably to do with the fact that it has a door boss gating your instance timer. And if they then made you do more clears of the door boss, you'd be looking at several hours more prog. Uh, If the... DPS check was one, two, three percent harder this tier. It would have taken probably two, maybe more lockouts for us to kill. And then that cascades into other groups that are beating it, still, yeah. even reaching that point slower, right? Yeah, yeah. Worth mentioning that the last kill of uh, Eden's Promise before our our final world first kill of the V twelve overall, we spent an hour in there. So it wasn't like a fast cleanup. Yeah, at the end. Uh, and then we get into the boss itself, and since it's a, it's a debuff kind of boss, it's not only to the DPS check that felt easier, the whole second boss felt easier. It was one of those tough to figure out, but once you know, roll on through kind of things. I don't know if you felt the same way as I did. Yeah, I think I just... it was really well designed yeah. for a final fight, where nothing was hard to do, but it had a lot of puzzles. Yeah. And they had sort of exoflare level punishment AoEs going around, in particular all the Apox. It was just easy to pick up a damage down and be like, what? I wasn't in that. It's just very easy to do. Especially for tanks and dual Apox. Oh, don't, don't even bring up, every tank I've spoken to about dual Apox hates dual Apox more than anything in the entire fight. I've not met a tank who likes it yet. It's a fight designed around if you got no debuffs and no deaths, check is easy. No problem. Yeah. But it's really easy to pick up a couple debuffs here, and then you get a triple A pocket, ground AOE clip me, and then the knockback kills me. It's just very easy. And that's the very end. And then yeah. suddenly the check is really hard. Yeah. So, I think it's well designed. I think that high punishment, but easy to solve and execute mechanics are perfectly suited to a time-constricted gauntlet fight. 
just like Sophia said, for the second one. I think it's designed well with those those ideas in mind. Well, uh, with that, that's one idea um, in regards to, like, well, one thing that you agree with design-wise. What about what is perceived as, and what I agree is, the front-loaded difficulty of it? It's almost light rampant-esque without really being all the way there. When you refer to the beginning with basic relativity versus the end with advanced relativity and triple APOC, um, do you do you, do you feel it was kind of off balance in any way? I mean, you're meant to put the harder mechanics first because that's the ones that the players are going to have to do over and over again, and the easier to execute, more difficult to solve stuff at the end. That's just that's how they design most fights. Like if they put something really really hard at the end to execute. It just creates a lot of frustration. So, I actually, hmm. I actually think it's a little different than that. I think it's people think that basic is really hard because you're solving all the mechanics in basic that you're then reusing later on. It's not that basic itself is a difficult mechanic. It's just that you're being given all of the information that you're going to carry through the entire phase. So instead of just solving basic relativity, you're solving what do all these debuffs do, how do they resolve, and then you're taking that information that you've already gathered from the first one and applying it to intermediate in advance, which it's makes it feel easier, but the mechanic itself, I think, is probably on par or harder, particularly in advance. So you think basic is not hard, harder to execute than advanced and intermediate? Okay, we disagree. I think there, intermediate. Yeah, we, I definitely too. disagree with that. I, I, think, I think in Prague, that's the perception. Yeah, I think yeah, intermediate's, intermediate's definitely the easiest. There's no doubt about that. I think the only discussion is between advanced and basic. I just think of all the times with basic, with getting long fires and far doors. That's the one that always comes to to my mind is that exact scenario where the the I think we had our. Tanks go last. I think we, I think it was always tanks last for us with with the with the ta- with the the stoplights as I called them. Um, and if they're the far away ones, and you have the two fire people, that that was always our Achilles heel was getting long fires in that. Really? I mean, that just yeah. sounds like the tanks don't want to disengage enough. No, Maybe. it was it was it was literally just fires going too far out, too far, like too close. Yeah, to they're the, clipping the, the tanks that are yeah. baiting. Yeah, that was that was the big thing. Yeah, we definitely had issues with dark fire and basic relativity. Just clipping, even late, even late in fog, where dark fires would just clip somebody. That to me is harder than all of advanced relativity. That the long fires and like my eyes are closed and I'm praying during long fires. I'm every time I see long ice, I'm like, oh fuck. I mean, we got the hang of it. I think our execution was pretty good, but I think it was still harder to execute than advanced. Advanced was. I think advanced was. Carried by a very good strategy that we had. The knockback thing is brilliant. Yeah, I I, th- I do think that our strategy was very good, but yeah, execution-wise, it's on par with their immediate for me in terms of just how easy it is. Yeah, from a healing perspective, there's like only one thing that's a little sketchy, and that's making sure people are top at the first water stack, and that's right. just cruise control after that. Yeah, uh, we had a much more difficult strategy to heal through for us. We had to hyper shield it essentially, like you know, full deploy low. Uh, seraphic veil, like neutral sect, and then we just didn't have to worry about the healing, and we could just position. But we had three stacks for our waters both times, or for the first time, and then the second time was a four stack. But people are usually low from that plus the fire. Um, 
We it's funny, we actually went to do the TPS strat, did it wrong, and then just healed our old lead and won anyway. Because <laughs> people are so used to our week one frog. Um, but that phase in particular, I, I really appreciate the floor of the arena. That's probably the most I use the floor is in advanced relativity because it is it is a it just tells you where to go for everything. It's so informative, the floor. It is, definitely. I love I love the floor. Don't laugh at my love for floors. Sly, you're a dragoon. You should love them too. <laughs> wow. I knew that was coming. I, I wasn't going to go there until you started laughing, all right? I love my floors. That's, what, that's why I was laughing, because I knew that shit was coming. It was only coming because you laughed. You're the cause of your own demise. You did this. <sighs> and honestly, God. Ninja's the new Dragoon. I shouldn't even be memeing on you. You'll die to assassinate more than you'll die to jumps nowadays. That is true. Very Holy true. You ever, you ever get... What about, the red, what about the red carpet, though? The red mage? No, dude. It's all about it's all about assassinate deaths, man. Nothing's oh, more no, nothing's the, more the tilting, and... bro. You know what's the most tilting thing when a, when a, when a ninja has a marker over their head for a mechanic and they assassinate and you're like, where'd the marker yes. go? Dude, I was gonna say that. <laughs> it's it always makes my eyes widen a little bit when I see the marker just disappear and like suddenly up in the sky. You know what the best one is? E eleven. If they do it during the elemental break <laughs> after like the AOE that goes oh. next. Yeah, you see, like, the lightning marker over the head or, like, the fire explosion over there. That's fucking scary. Oh, man. <laughs> Nothing scarier than that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's for me, was the big thing. Just it felt super front load. Like, single APOC is pretty simple, but you, people got clipped all the time by APOC, whether it was first, second, or third. It was just, it wasn't uncommon for people to get clipped. But triple APOC ends up being, again, I feel like the easiest one. It's like advanced relativity. What? I thought was the easiest. <laughs> triple APOC. I think I think triple APOC is the easiest one because you know what? I think it's the easiest now in farm in frog. I couldn't see it. I just couldn't see it. Uh, we did it once or twice, people. and I figured it out. And I was like, "Oh, you just follow the middle." And they're like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, literally, just follow the middle one the whole time, and you literally can't. It can't be fucked up." And as soon as we figured that, everyone went. <gasps> Excuse me. Don't you mean? <laughs> Opposite middle and sidestep the pizza slices. Uh, yeah, that sounds did. sounds like <laughs> sounds like Prague is what it sounds like. <laughs> was. Well, I've done both strats now, and as a caster, I have way more to be aware of in triple than I do in uh, really in single. Yes, absolutely. The timings are much more strict. Uh, the movement is much more precise. Definitely. You've got camera flipping going on. Camera f What are you doing? <laughs> Look, you guys, it sounds like it's... <laughs> I don't have to do any of that. I don't know, maybe it's well, you, have to, you have to see which direction you're getting knocked back, right? So you do have to... No, back. you don't even have to do that. You can get knocked back in the direction that... So when the middle goes out and then curves in, you just get knocked that same side. And you're done. Well, that would certainly make it easier. <laughs> That's 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 how that's how we got through it after we saw it a couple times. It's just wherever the middle goes, that's where you're standing. Middle explodes. Tank mechanic happens. You just get knocked back the side that the middle's coming from. So the middle goes this so way. We, did, we didn't have. Yeah. We didn't have. We lacked that critical information. So we were <laughs> looking at the back of the room for the See, uh, the light. Yeah. That's also a farm only thing that you're talking about there. Knowing, uh, with 100 percent sure, like that that is a pattern that will always happen. 
No, we did that in Prague. We figured that out like one or two pulls into into Triple yeah, A. One or two pulls. One or two pulls is absolutely not enough to be able to say that for sure. I said it. it could, and then we could tested do random. It. Yeah. yeah, I said it and we tested it immediately. Gambling, gambling on that and a eight and eight minutes in mechanic. Uh, well, we had to because we were learning. Yeah. At the end of the day, it was like, how the fuck can we do this safely? Like it was that was our first bet to it. That was like APOC was one of those things that you know how everyone had you mentioned how everyone has an Achilles heel. I feel like everyone also has, I don't know what an equivalent of like something that you just, it just clicks. Like you Achilles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> For some reason, APOC was mine when I saw like, when I saw it, like that was, I just saw it. I just knew like all three of them. I was like, oh, that's what we have to do. I don't know why. Just following lights on the floor is my specialty. I play DDR, I guess. That works out. Ugh. I don't know. I still think <laughs> double APOC is probably the hardest yes. execution-wise. The tanks have yeah. a lot of responsibility there, and the movement is, is not easy. Everyone else is, is like, oh, this is a joke. What's the problem, tanks? And tanks are like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut up. You don't know, okay? Yeah, I feel for tanks on du- dual APOC. That's toxic. The whole mechanic is toxic for that. <laughs> I do uh. like, however, that... As long as they're not being mega trolled, the worst that happens is they kill themselves or get a damage down. Yeah. They don't kill everyone unless they, like, hugely fuck up. Yeah, I've, I've seen a few um, hilarious things. I also like the programming for Dual APOC. Uh, they clearly thought of tanks using tank involves, and dis- basically the first tank who gets hit is out of the target, like they're not a viable target for the second hit. Um, so you couldn't just have someone tank involve both hits. They clearly thought of that in advance. Yeah. Of that mechanic. Yeah. They didn't think about it for Black Halo, though, which you can involve all, all, well, both of them? There's only two, I think? Yeah, yeah it's two hits. Uh, yeah. Black Halo's a bit uninspired, yeah. It, yeah. We just involve that. It's supposed to be a split damage AoE, but, yes. or a split damage tank buster, I should say, but it's not. <laughs> it is it a tank involve. It was one time in Prague where Sandalf didn't have a, an involve, and he sacrificed me to live. I remember that. Oh, you know, I thought you were going to say he died, not he sacrificed the highest DPS player in order. Nah, that's not the Sindolf way. The Sindolf <laughs> way is to walk over to a DPS and volunteer them for the tank buster so they can live. Oh, wow. It was the Sindolf way. Like, listen, no. if, if I die, it might kill one of you next. If he dies now, then that won't happen. Be like, Exactly. It's more important for the tank to be alive than the DPS to be alive. He got a man award. That's his logic. <laughs> Makes sense. He got man award. Oh, that's award. that's troll as fuck. All right, Sindel. I'm not surprised mm-hmm. based on Sindel's one appearance on State of the Realm. I'm in no way shocked by this, but oh, if I, if I can, if I could throw a little shit, it's not actually. Oh, shade. absolutely, it's just, it, absolutely. It, it's just a little fun. Okay. Someone finally was defeated at the Spook Doll. Uh, I, I used to make fun of Sindel because, like, during Yukon Prague. He would twister your cast with start, and he would run away from the boss right over next to me, drop his twister right next to me, and then run back. And I was like, Sindolf, what are you doing? And uh, he finally killed someone with that movement. <laughs> he killed Arna, running away from the boss. With what? With which attack? She was she was Icicles. Oh, he just disconnected from the boss, ran all the way back, killed Arna. He not even run. He has to slide all the way over there. He has to. He has to be like. Whoa. 
Oh well, no, it was it was oh, the, um, the, the dash. It was oh, the spread. Yeah, no, no, okay. it was the spreads like Junction um, Shiva. Junction Shiva, yeah. Okay, I thought you meant the dropping of the icicles, not the line of the icicles. No, 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 no. no, no, no. It, it was it was him disconnecting from the boss to give merely more room, of which we have two other ones. He decided to run at the healer, kill the healer, and himself. <laughs> I mean, it's early in the fight, so it didn't really matter. At least he's committed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You sound less interested in how committed he is to this. (laughs) I like Chad being like, Sphia, you've been promoted to tank cooldown. (laughs) I mean, sometimes. Although it sounds like Keo is the more regular recipient of tank scares. Well, he hasn't killed me yet with stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, this is the first time he killed somebody else. <laughs> Don't worry, you've still got ultimate. You've got all of ultimate to you know, for him to get there. Yeah, so and maybe Delimbro. Uh So at the end of the day, we get about seventeen minutes of encounter. Uh, the boss, I-, I think, more party finder friendly than E eight. I think you'll see a higher success rate uh, after a yeah. few weeks. I don't know. Maybe the door boss DPS check makes you disagree. I'm not sure if you're worried about that in the party finder. Door boss, door boss DPS check is. More lenient than Shiva. Yeah, for sure. Particularly because of the length of the fight. So I think and, that the clearance will be high. And last rampant moves is definitely going to be much easier for PF than light, light rampant was. So it should be much better for PF. That's good. Well, that covers um, Eden Savage. And I know we're a little over time, but I do want to poke your brains about the remainder of Shadowbringers. Now, normally we come into... Uh, the expansion, we come towards the end of it, and it's kind of like the lazy time. It's the time where you can consider unsubscribing if you're a raider. There's maybe one or two activities you're interested in, but this is not the case with Shadowbringers. They are at trying a few new things, and also they took some advice that was given to them from Stormblood, and are trying to make the back half kind of loaded in terms of things you're going to be working on. So, we'll start with an easy one. Blue Mage Savage It's getting another tier. We know there's no ultimate, and I don't know how you guys feel about that. Do you feel that they've, they're doing good in preserving Ultimate's I kind of iconic nature by not letting Blue Mages shit all over it? Or would you rather have I mean, had Blue Mage Ultimate? You've got, you've got Gunbreakers, you've got reworked Ninjas, you've got reworked Machinists shitting all over it already. It doesn't matter. That f- like, the fights are already kind of shells of what they were once upon a time. Uh, Power Creepers happened. Why not let Blue Mages have fun too? Yeah, agreed. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, because it seems like I speak to a lot of ultimate players who are like, let me in, and all the non-ultimate players are like, that makes sense. And I'm like, I let me in. <laughs> they could very easily separate it into being a Blue Mage only achievement. Yeah. We say easily, but we don't know what that back-end programming looks like. No, 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 Nothing's, especially with Final Fantasy XIV, there is no, no easy <laughs> when it comes to a lot of that stuff. It's all got technical debt across the field. Um, but we still do have Omega. I don't know if you guys feel like that's that's going to have much substance to it, only being likely three fights or the extreme trials, I guess, on top of that, like Shinryu and whatnot. My biggest complaint about it is that it actually comes out on the same day as yeah. BA2. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I want to do both of those like mm-hmm. as soon as they come out, but we'll have to choose. A lot, and yeah, we're a probably going to choose BA. <laughs> yeah. A lot of us are... Uh, Blue Mage official. has been kind of horrible. Yeah. What's been horrible? 
Scheduling? Scheduling. Well, I mean, yeah. some of that's pandemic. I know a lot more people. Their their finals, people are in college. Uh, their finals are pretty much falling on raid tiers now for this raid tier and for the next one. If it's in uh, ultimates in like end of April ish, so I know some people who are struggling with that. Um, one of our members can't do ultimate if it's on April twenty seventh, like I predict, because they have a final on the twenty eighth. <laughs> so. Uh, that's a bit of a struggle. But yeah, I don't know why they did this. Why is Bloom Agent... I don't know. That's it, It's weird to me that they decided to do that. Maybe they figured the overlap between those players wouldn't be that high, but... I'd say it's going to be mm. almost exclusively the same people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost for sure. Exclusively. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, it's going to have less longevity to it uh, than the initial big content drop for Bloom Age was. Uh, because, like you said, it is only one expansion's worth of fights that they're adding achievements for. Um, What's the surprise? Level cap for. I mean, they could, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll see. Um, so I hope we get a cool out of it. There's still potential for. I don't know if they're adding new carnival stuff to it. I don't know how many spells they're adding. There's they, the potential that there's a decent chunk of new content with Blue Mage, not just the raids. I think they I'm told us how many spells. I'm almost positive the live twenty letter. something. Yeah, I think it's twenty four. Yeah. I think twenty four is what okay. they said. And we know. And by the way, that takes up. I think we have one hundred nine right now. I believe. And we know. I think they said no. I think we have eighty nine because they gave us an exact number when they announced Blue Mage in at FanFest. How many spells they had already developed, and we knew how many we have out of that. They think they said 129 was how much at the time they had fully developed. Um, and this does not put us at that number. I gotta double check what the exact number is, but that means they've already got the 80 spells kind of lined up as well, I suppose. Um, and we also, we might have Beastmaster, who knows? Maybe we'll have Beastmaster Savage. Maybe it'll be Pokemon. Maybe we can duel each other with Pokemon, with Beastmaster. Listen, Sly, let me hunt my Stop shinies it. in 14. I want to hunt my shiny Velociraptor. You already have a game. You already have a Switch. No, I want you another one. No, you're good. <laughs> I'll get it. Stop trying to be SMT. Just you wait. Oh, this isn't trying to be SMT. This is trying to be Pokemon. What? Shinies in SMT? Can I catch a shiny? Do I have to play SMT? Yeah, sure. Sure, you okay. can catch a shiny Thor. Sure, why not? Yeah, I'll go catch a shiny Thor. Shiny Chris Hemsworth. Got it. Excellent. So, yeah. I, the real question I have about Blue Mage is, are we going to do uh, the um, Omega, not the final Omega, but uh, 11? 11? And are we going to nominate Sindolf to stand in the back of the room during <laughs> Bank Raider 2? So I've got a, a bad answer for you because I don't think they can make us do anything but the final fights because how are you going to do 03? Because I guarantee you it can't check for your your role properly. Well, they could change the way that their mimicry works. They could, but they will they? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah my confidence my, on my that is... Yeah. If, if they ever want Blue Mage to do Ultimate, they have to, but yeah. maybe... But, but they don't want biggest, Blue Mage to do Ultimate, so... Sad. Yeah, That's all you need to biggest, know. And I've forgotten what I was going to say. Biggest oh, no, complaint? No, uh, no, my biggest... Uh, concern is what they do with the tank role. Uh, because currently it, it is easily the most lacking in terms of playability and how much fun you have while pushing buttons. You don't like so, draining MP and using Diamondback? 
You don't That's like that? Literally two buttons for the entirety of the fight. I mean, they're fixing Devour at least. They're making it cool and actually useful. Being they also cool increased time. tank damage as well. They increased the damage yeah. by a significant amount. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But mostly it's wanting them to do something different with cooldowns that they have available to them so that Diamondback isn't their only option. Can you remind me about something? For Hello World, did the explosions from the... Not critical error, but the big explosion during that that, that leeches onto other people. Did that give Vol... Failure. Did that yes. give a home? Okay, because I was wondering if you could just have one person spread it to all seven and then just spread them out and diamond back all seven and just get rid of it immediately. They do a million damage. Okay, that's what I needed to know, yeah. Okay. Because um, taking care of the tank one there is going to be a joke. The Whoever gets the tank one is just going to diamond back the first hit and then it's going to be gone, the the one that yeah. bounces. So um, I was just wondering that if you could if you could have seven of those go off at once, but no. Probably can't. It's still not going to be bad because the damage during that phase is not going to be super significant. That's the only mechanic I'm really thinking. Oh, no, Forsaken 2. Everyone's going to have to be ready to do t- potentially tanker DPS for Forsaken 2. That one's going to be oh, fun. No. Yeah. So I hope everyone knows how to aim Kefka, like front or back, oh, like how to do that. Yeah. Um, I've already I mean, started it's a, thinking it's- of all this. That's a pretty easy raid call. It is, it is. That. But you, but it being an easy raid call doesn't always mean people do it. True. <laughs> hey, at least, at least the um, one HP mechanic, the the heal everyone to full, will be oh, easy. That's gonna on be a joke. That's yeah, it's gonna be. Honestly, <laughs> all of Forsaken One Two Gobskin is ridiculously strong. Yeah, it'll so, be easy. Yeah, Forsaken One shouldn't be a problem at all, and the max and healing everyone. Just the healing is has always been easy. Other than having no OG, honestly, healing the tanks when they don't diamond back is the only hard part, because you only have got you only have the cure, the one fucking single target cure, or white wind, and I hate it. Uh, yeah, I was wondering if you could just diamond back all the cleaves during Forsaken, because <laughs> the towers aren't lethal either. So I wonder how much you can get away with with diamond back and Omega, but we'll find out. So say you just get a damage down. Um, yeah, maybe not the cleaves from the clones. That might well, be too much. Might be. Might not be, also. <laughs> True. Can you imagine just eight Diamondbacks for that mechanic? Just I can. It's Depots I mean, to victory. Final, I mean, Final yeah. Coil, all the Mega Flares in Final Coil are just, who gives a shit, just everyone Diamondback. You True. cannot do eight Diamondbacks, because the two people with the puddles will kill everyone. You cannot Diamondback ground AoEs that give a dot. Oh, yeah, and then they'll just start going wild to everybody. They'll, like, track people down one by one. Yeah. Um, so that's Blue Mage. Probably get around to that. Probably get another blue title, but another couple of blue titles. Um, but the more important one is Delubrum Regine. Queen Sanctum BA2. Whatever you want to call it, with having a normal mode 24-man and a savage mode 48-man. Um, we all did BA together. Sly, except for him. So you went back and did BA. Re- did you go back and do BA recently? No, Tequila did. You never went back. Did you never tequila went back? Tequila did. I never went back for BA. No. You no. should really try to do Deliberate Savage when when these when the Discord communities pull it together. Oh no no no! That that's the plan. When Deliberate comes out, I'm all I'm all there. Because I know us three are very mentally prepared for Deliberate because BA was fantastic. Super. Hyped. I might go, I might go back into Cash Room just to get. 
like a few more uh, skills and potions. And oh, January, I'm a hundred percent going back and hoping Castrum runs are kind of populated again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I think before, be. in like the three weeks before the patch, people are going to be revisiting for sure. Yeah, prep. yeah. Um, whether to be to get the rest of the augmented pieces, I still need two more augmented pieces because yeah. I want to be a 2.2 GCD white page. Yeah, I, I got my pieces. Yeah. They're not that expensive. I'm ready. Yeah. Um, and they also said, I think we're supposed to in the follow-up patch in 5.5, whatever's in that one, which is supposed to be another zone, that they're going to give us more augments. So, like, if you struggled with Savage mm. before that, you'll have more. If it's just fucking more haste, stop being, do something better than haste! Please! What I like about this is then, this essentially means that they can tune the initial Savage launch really well. Because they're given the opportunity mm. to overgear it. Yeah. Uh, so the potential for BA2 to be a huge success is there now. So we'll have to see. I, I, did you, yes. Did you see any of the theory crafting about how high damage can actually go with proper actions, Happy? Oh, yeah. Sphia and them did? I have not only seen that, I have done some of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty crazy. So I'm curious about what they do with the savage tuning, given just how much damage we can pump out. I'm 48 people curious on that about page. other things because there's some shit that's not damage related that's busted. Paladin's just bringing cure four and saying fuck healers, doing anything works way better than it probably should. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I'm wondering. I think BA two is going to be a lot more action oriented than BA1 was. So at BA1, you had to, basically, the one mandatory action was the ability to find the trapdoor safely. That was, like, the one thing you absolutely needed to make sure you had. Other than Mm -hmm. that, it was just about people, you know, like, when we did it, you know, Sphia went magic burst, some people went safe with, like, you know, plate bearers and whatnot. Um, I don't think that's going to happen here. I think they're going to really expect people to, I think everyone's going to need mana wall. Well, it's not just that. It's just that you had to occupy one of your duty action slots with the stance back in the yeah. day. Yeah. You, you don't have to do that anymore. Now you put on your stance as a passive, and then you get two actions, and you they're much easier to farm. Yep. So people are going to be a lot more mm-hmm. thrifty with them, just, just popping out actions. And, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is that this is not a sit-around and wait for, you know, try to get in the same instance and, you know, hope nobody takes a portal and hope there's a group outside to kill the the boss to make sure we can progress. And we have to sit around and wait for the group to come in with the portals. And it's, they're literally making a new party finder setting that supports 48-man parties to preform them. And then you go in. So Heck yeah. Um, huge shout-out to the feedback taken from that. And honestly, the, as much as people talk about Castrum and how it's, you know, it's a bit troublesome in some ways. The entry of it, of being able to qualify for it, it much more fits what BA was originally advertised to be, which was public dungeon, in a sense. Yeah. Um, so shout out to that, yeah. too, feedback-wise. But this this feels like everything that I experienced from what when we progressed it, from when people were running it week after week and the Discord started organizing. This feels like it's built on that feedback. And that is always a good thing to see because we always wonder how much of our feedback is really going into some of these decisions sometimes. But this one feels like 
lifted right out of our thoughts and out of our mouths. And I thought I got a good shout out. I'm really excited. I just wonder how as one continuous instance, I mean, how do you punish death properly? Because that was a big thing with BA. You know, it, the mechanics weren't tough, but punishing death was a major, major aspect of that. And do you, are you just going to rezone if too many people die? Or it's like, I don't, I don't know what the plan is here. Is it just going to be about deaths in the fight itself? What do you think? My guess is that it's probably once you're dead, you're there as a spectator. And hmm. all you can do is watch your party go to the end until they what? Wait, no more sacrifice stuff? Oh, man. I think they'll bring sacrifice back. I think I think the whole, like I said earlier, I think the reason they changed the sacrifice wording to no longer doom but to be sacrificed is because they're going to use that exact code for a new action. Because this, let's be clear, even the things they changed, the lost actions are just code lifted right from Eureka. Like, they are. Yeah. And so I think that's why they changed it, because they're going to do, like, you know, if enough people fail, you get doom, and then it kills you. And they don't want people overriding that doom with sacrifices doom to get rid of it to stop their elimination. That's why I think they changed it. Because that would be clever as fuck. If you're like, oh, shit, we failed, I doomed quickly. Sacrifice a dead person, and then you're, like, you, you've, done, you've got the normal doom now. Not the, the super epic savage doom. I know I would do it. Uh, yeah, I don't know how else to discuss it, because it's just... It's not going to be like BA exactly, but it's something that has a lot of room. This this is just... It's uncharted territory, as far as we're concerned, for the way they're, they're labeling it as, like, a savage that carries a lot of weight in the 14 community. They have said that they were doing a lot of thought around the way that they would punish death, specifically. Yeah. So it's not as if it's going to be overlooked. I think that it'll be very, very intentional the way they do it. I actually have faith that it'll be done in a, in a, well, a good way. And chat brings up that they uh, they said that it would be more restricted than BA, the deaths. Yeah. That's yeah, uh, There's no more constraint around it being... A part of Eureka itself too. So that's what I'm. More, that's why I'm. I'm really curious yeah. how they do it because you're not. It's not like oh, you're dead. Your only option is to release back to the zone. Yeah. They kick you out of the instant. Like that's the thing. Do they make you a spectator? You, you like, just go back in. Yeah. You just queue back in. That's the only thing. Yeah. That's the thing. If enough people die, wouldn't you just queue back? Like that. That's there's a lot of aspects about it that is why it has to be harsher. But how how exactly they accomplish that is a question. I don't know. I'm hopeful. Yeah. I, I have a good faith in them that they learned a lot from BA and from recent design developments. And Baja in general has been a very like it gives me hope that they're going to do it right because Baja was good. I, I like the implementation the way they did it. Castrum was fun. So you know, it'd be really hopeful. funny if there's an encounter in Deliberum that's a one v one, but then as people fail it, the next person goes. <laughs> Just starts eliminating people one by one. <laughs> Do you think that's... I mean, it, it seems reasonable on paper because they did 1v1s in Vajra, so you, it might be a reasonable thing. No, I don't... I, I think it'd be really funny. I don't think they're going to do that. I think we'll see more 1v1s with a retooled system in 5.5 in the new zone. Mm -hmm. I don't think they'll they'll do something like that in the Lubrum. So it, it'd be really funny, though. I'm totally down, but it'd be... It's... <laughs> kind of fucked up everyone has to bring mana wall just in case you get picked for the 1v1 and everyone needs it in mm -hmm. case the person before them fucks up 
I um, think everyone's going to have to bring mana wall no matter what. I agree. But, yeah. I fully agree. I think everyone's going to need... Every time there's a, what appears to be an undodgeable room wide, people are going to mana wall. That's going to be the answer. In Savage, not in believe, yeah. You best believe I'm bringing at least two to our first round. Yep. Same. To be able to use it. Yep. Absolutely. I'm pretty sure if you... If you use a second one, it should reset the cooldown, right? Yes. If you, if, you, if you use it, then pop a new one, it'll refresh the cooldown. Mm-hmm. I know people who did Sorry. that for the lion duel. They, they'd pop it for the, where it's mandatory and then pop another one for one of the, the big, when he like dashes the to the Yeah, the X's plus yeah. the half room. Yeah. I know a few people who did that. Um, so, yeah, with Deliberum, there's that. But then there's also an ultimate still. They confirmed a long time ago there's another ultimate in 5.5. They said that they actually were ahead of schedule on development for it because they wanted to put those resources towards another unannounced content when they were done. So there's a good, good chance that yeah. that is already in the play, like in the in the playtesting phase as we're speaking. There has been something revealed in specific... Methods of information obtaining from the game that I've seen. Wow, that is a very tasteful way of saying data mining, which I know you were trying mining. to avoid. <laughs> and I was going to say, yeah. don't br- don't bring up what it is because I've avoided it, and I would like to You've keep avoided it, it that way. I have completely okay. avoided it. Well, there are there are spoilers out there. Yes. So if you are one who would like to not be spoiled like me, um, be wary of that. I know I have an approximate guess based on. What I was, as you said, in I was basically given the same description you were given, but with one extra word. And I don't want to say that word because that word tells me kind of all I need to know. The next ultimate is Cleese. There you go. Oh no, Happy's already ultimate. been spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Cleese ultimate. <laughs> I think Sindolf would be a better ultimate. He already tries to kill the team anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we have still have a whole nother ultimate. Um, have you guys had any worry about scheduling with that? I don't know how you guys handle scheduling, but I know a lot of people who are kind of having an issue with trying to figure out how to schedule that since, uh, we had such a huge break between the 5.1 ultimate now all the way to 5.5. We are definitely worried about scheduling. Um, it's so far out now still that it's hard to say for sure, but... Yeah, scheduling is a big concern. I don't know if we're all going to be able to get the time off for it. We'll see. Yeah, that's that's the biggest concern. And that was kind of why they, they had mentioned that people had said that ultimates were too frequent. And people kind of glanced over it as to, like, how like how could anyone say the ultimates are too frequent? It, because there are people who live normal lives who need to be able to get off time. And you kind of always go for a week, at the very least, for time off. And you do not accrue a, time off, a week of time off very quickly. At a lot of places. Yeah, no kidding. So, um, I was wondering if that was a concern because I, I've, everyone I've spoken to is worried about scheduling for that. So I figured that was worth asking about. Uh, Keo, do you know what the next ultimate is? The, what the hint is? You, I'm assuming you both know. Yeah. Okay. I was going to ask what your predictions were, but that'd be kind of fucked up if I asked what your predictions were when you've already been uh, somewhat spoiled to that uh, that regard. Um, so I'll, I can I can tell you what my predictions were before I had the spoil because I remember talking about them explicitly okay. with people. So my original predictions were I was thinking they might do something with the Warring Triad, okay. but that's still on the table for something that they could do, and there's enough content between, I think, all of them. 
Yeah, man, you and could then, have Sephiroth smack Sophia's friggin' scale thing while you left the land in Zervan circles. There you go. Done. I think that was my main prediction before. I didn't really have much else that I was predicting at the time. But I, it's, you know, aside from Stormblood stuff. Yeah, which is, which is just in general, I'd, like I'd, raids assume, Omegas. I'd assume you're still kind of out there on Stormblood stuff anyway, because they've kept the two expansions before at this point, up to now. So our sample size yeah. is only three though. Soon to be four. I know my prediction was Dragon Song. I had like a warring triad Thordan combination. I've since shifted it to something else. Uh again, completely oblivious to any sort of secret information that uh may be out there. Um I remember going in the direction of uh Thordan Nidhogg and then the Knights of the Round, but they're all like dragon infested in a sense. They're all like mini you know, like the the Nidstinian kind of thing, but it's all <laughs> Thordan kind of deal, mm-hmm. so that would be a fucking nightmare um, that fits, but Warring Triad's still really high. The guy who actually designed Uwu said if he, he doesn't really like designing ultimates, because they're super stressful, but if he had to do another one, it would be the Triad, was uh, yeah. what he said. But we don't know who's developing it, so if it's him, probably is Warring Triad. If it's not, could be it. I, I, it's between Triad so, and Thornton and Nidhogg. It's those three. I, I still don't think there's any hard and fast rule that they would have to exclude any like more recent stuff either. So like there I said, uh, right. the, there's there's right. still the the trial um, theme from Stormblood as well, yeah. and there's still Omega. So yeah. who knows? Yeah. Well, I'm just uh, I do pattern analysis a lot, and thus far our pattern to now has been the main raid from the pre- from two expansions ago. So we started with Coil, then we started with Alexander for this expansion. Um, the second one was the final boss of the expansion from two ago. But we come to an interesting impasse where A Realm Reborn didn't have a lot of great themes, and from Heavensward on, there's two or three themes, pretty much. And there's two final bosses, in a sense. You know, you have Thor and you have Nidhogg. We didn't have that in A Realm Reborn. Um, they're all part of the same story, kind of lines up, but then we also have the eight-man themes. And quite frankly, there's never the ruled-out possibility they couldn't take 24-man bosses and make an eight-man version of them. They've just yet to show a propensity for it. So, there's a lot of options. And uh, I will stay the fuck away from both of your... So, when we're getting closer, and I see you guys are in an instance that... I'm like, wow, why are they in that instance? I wonder what they're doing. No, I'm not looking at the fucking FC list anymore. You guys... It's a good good plan. (laughs) You guys are going to be, like, randomly in, like, Thornton's arena. I'm going to be like, why are they doing... Oh, fuck. I mean, regardless of what (laughs) you're doing, men I live with Thornton is good practice. You know, I thought that, and then we I've one-shot it both times. I've taken new groups into it. I mean, like, super, super, super low eye level. Oh, you mean like 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 doing like I-55 Twintania kind of? Like ha- like handicapping your gear. Yeah, exactly. I-55. Did we do it with all accessories off, or was it like three? I, I don't remember. <laughs> we did so many different handicaps, so. Yeah. That's always fun. Um, and then I don't know if you guys have any expectations. Now that we have Deliberate and then Ultimate... Um, there's obviously the potential for something else to happen with the last tier of the Relic or any sort of other content. Is there anything that you think could throw a, throw a curveball? Are you expecting a curveball that maybe extends past Ultimate leading up to 6.x? Do you think at that point they're going to mellow out and just focus on 6.x stuff? So there's been a couple of teasers, I guess, the the dev team have you know put out to us. The yeah. first one being the undisclosed content the reason that they were working on uh, Ultimate so early. Yeah. 
And the other one is what was recently said, was it in an interview or the live letter, about how they're wanting to make big changes uh, to something in the game, that they're trying to level up the game in some regard. And I'm not sure if that's referring to things that happened in the expansion, things that happened before, if they're going to finally break the seven-year-old formula that they have. I don't know. But it really feels like there's something coming in the next six months to a year which might change things considerably. I just have no clue what it is. My my hope is that there's a surprise difficult format content. That that that's the one thing I've heard suggested in a lot of places that it doesn't feel like they've heard or attempted yet. And so my hope is that if there is something new coming in five point five, it's it's a surprise that it's difficult format. I'm going to give you my prediction on what you the second thing you said, Sophia, the leveling up of the game. Um, that is not going to be what you want to hear, but it's going to be what my prediction is. So it's the hill I'll die on. Um, the stats push that's probably coming would be a pretty significant overhaul to everything. So Why I, a stats push, though? I thought they said that they were specifically going to do that at the next expansion. 6.0. Yeah, 6.0. That's the thing, though. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Because the question is, when he says that, he didn't say this expansion. That We don't know. He just said it, like kind of like, it's coming. So we're at the point where but, predictions kind of have to start game? leaking in. Well, I feel I like... I it changes anything. Well, it fundamentally changes the way all of our stats work and our understanding of them. And I feel like from a development standpoint, that's a it's substantial to go through all of the work to redo everything with that. Um, mm-hmm. I think they may t- take that opportunity with a stats squish eventually to rework how people progress through the game as well. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the way we play through the story now, they've kind of tried more but and more. But they've already kind of reworked that. Though. They have. they reworked A Realm Reborn, but the way we get through the game is still a monstrous task for a lot of people. It's 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 better now, but it's it's much it's still a hell of an undertaking. Even if we all love the story, we enjoy the story. Tell people not to rush through; it doesn't change the perception of it. And I think that's still a problem in their eyes. My initial impression, and I know that a couple of people share this as well, was that when they talked about leveling up the game, it was going to be something along the lines of an engine up. Yeah. DX12 or an engine upgrade is is also high on that list of, I think, reasonable predictions. We know that Microsoft said they'd help 14 develop DX12, and everyone's like, yeah, Xbox, game for Xbox, and Scranix is like, they didn't say that. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Every year, Phil Spencer's like, we'd love to have it on Xbox. Every year. It's never going to (laughs) happen. And then everyone's like, when's the Switch version? And we're like, all right, now you're out oh, of fucking control. <laughs> the gathering and crafting version only. <laughs> Listen, it was on Vita. That's like that, that uh, April Fool's joke they did with the mining and botany Pokemon Go thing. And yet people went, we wanted that. And then remember when Lords of Verminion was an April Fool's joke? And then it was real? Never rule out April Fool's jokes. One day we will have a dating sim. One day we will have the gathering go, and a one fighting day, game. And one day we'll have a fighting game. It'll happen. Wasn't the fighting game wasn't wasn't the April trust? Fools. The trust system was April Fool's was too, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it wasn't a trust system. It was. It was a dating. It was a. It was like a like a yeah dating a NPC dating thing. I thought that was called trust, but maybe not. 
Yeah, it was, it was a, I don't remember what it was called, but it was dating sims. And you know what? Honestly, I won't be surprised if we get the Omega, the Omega Alexa. That's gonna happen one day. Alright, somebody's <laughs> gonna make the Omega Alexa. All these things are gonna be real. And we won't know what's an April Fool's joke anymore. That's it. I just want, I just want Tactics Alexander. Yeah, that's another one. my heart that it's not real. Tactics Alexander is another one. Mm-hmm. What, that reminds me of when they had the, the 16-bit animation of Fighting Titan, the Dragoon died and won them out. <laughs> Sorry to remind you about that slide. <laughs> yeah, it was called the Favor System. That's right, for the dating sim. Oh, Favor System, that's right. There you go. Yeah, and that's, we have a Favor System in this game and it was removed. So, we're at a different one for gatherers, but. Alright, with that, uh, we've had a nice long talk about Savage. We've had a nice long talk about our predictions for the remainder of Shadowbringers. And with that, I think uh, we can sign off, wrap things up, and I can let you guys live your lives. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. Always <laughs> a pleasure. For, thanks for stopping by. Thank you for so much for coming. Yes, thank you. Uh, before we do our sign-offs, though, a quick reminder again, sponsors for the show, Steel Series. Under the YouTube video, giveaway. I gotta pull a winner for the other one. Well, I'll contact that person individually, but be sure to enter the giveaway that's under this one, cause who knows, you could get a nice New Year's surprise with some Steel Series swag when it's in stock, cause they have been railed as of late because of Black Friday and the holiday season. Um, on top of that, our patrons, who have been scrolling in the top right this whole time, through thick and thin, even through this year, much to my surprise, we got plenty of people on that list, plenty of people's names still going, and even if you had to take care of yourself during this crazy, crazy year we've had. We've left your name on there out of respect for encouraging people to take care of themselves in the times that we've had throughout this year. Uh, thank you, special. Thank you to our patrons of Darkness, Kujikas on Genova, and Kurnai Oni, who have gone above and beyond with their support for the channel. And thank you to all those names and all of you who also tune into the show every week, watch it live on YouTube, whatever it may be, and the Pog Champs in the chat, which I've kind of just accepted by this point because I realize if I accept them, they will go away sooner. And I can, nope, they won't. Yep, you're right. Okay. With that, thank you to all of them. Thank you to our sponsors. And thank you to our guests for coming by. It's always good to have both of you on the show. So, start with Keo, because he's in the bottom right, and I want to start opposite of me for some, I don't know. You've, where can they find you at, Keo? Uh, well, I think my Twitter is on the, on the screen, uh, the radius. There's, there's underscores in there, by the way. They're hard to see, but there's two underscores. There's one at the beginning and one at the end. Yes, that's true. The regular Keonu was taken, so I had oh, to add okay. some underscores. Um, yes. and then I believe the radiance discord is public now, so that's free for anyone that wants to join. And I'm there. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think, I think that's it. That's, that's the main places to find me. Okay. Thank you, Keo. Uh, Sphia, where can they find your tired face? That is me. I'll put it in chat. There you Twitch, go. Twitch, Twitter, Discord. <laughs> I'm surprised to do the Discord, man. You get all the DMs. And what about your two yeah. kids that I have here on the screen? My two, my two banana boys. <laughs> <laughs> my two banana boys. Yeah. They're good. <laughs> Just chilling. Uh, yeah, so, uh, that'll also be in the description of the YouTube video, by the way. He posted it in, in the Twitch chat. You on YouTube, I don't expect you to click on my Twitch chat right now. So, um, uh, you can find him, uh, twitch.tv slash Sphia, uh, twitter.com slash ffsphia, which fucks me every time I have him on, and Sphia <laughs> number 3133. Every time I go looking, I'm like, what is his again? I type Sphia, and Twitter just doesn't show me. It's like, that guy doesn't exist. 
It springs me to some verified account. I don't even know what it is. That has nothing to do with you. Oh. Yeah. I have to type Sfi or FF. That's the only way I can find you on Twitter. I don't know why. It's so annoying. Oh, man. Yeah, you should stream, Keo. Yeah, I uh, just haven't, I haven't been feeling it for a while, but I should, I should get back into it. I streamed a little bit of Hollow Knight a while back. I saw that. That was fun. That was a no spoilers first time playthrough. Gotta have some. It's good. Yeah. And Sly, they know where they can find us after all these weeks, but might as well say it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Sly. Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash sly, aka grayfox. You can find me on Twitter at sly the fox. Um, it almost Christmas, everybody. It almost criminal. Almost criminal. So, um, before he even gives me like a schedule or whatnot, I just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who has tuned in for this past year for a, another year of State of the Realm. I don't know what the next two weeks are going to be like. So I uh, just want to get out of the way. Happy holiday. Merry Krumah. Hopefully you have a good Krumah. Hopefully you get all you want. And enjoy the new year. Uh, we look forward to bringing you more State of the Realm in 2021. A completely better fucking year for everyone. <laughs> I I'm said that at the end of 2019, so I'm not jinxing myself. I said, man, 2019 sucks. I can't wait till next year. And then... This year. <laughs> no, hold my beer. The aliens are on the way. That's how I, I'm like, we're, we got aliens on the way. In fact, don't, we we just got, get, don't we just get 2020 New Game Plus as soon as it rolls January 1st? I don't, that's, I don't want to agree Oh, you mean that. Apocalypse Mode? <laughs> 2020 Savage. Yeah. Yeah, we just finished 2020 Normal. Now I've got 2020 Savage coming up for, for next year progression. Ugh. Uh, you can find me, Mr. Happy. YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, the other locations I barely use anymore, so I shouldn't even bother saying them. Um, Genshin update tonight. I'm probably going to stream, do an extra stream tonight because tomorrow I have re-clear, so I won't get to stream that as much. Um, and as memeable as it may seem, I have been playing Diablo Immortal on my new tablet because it is an alpha, and it's been pretty good. Memes aside, phone memes aside, I'm not playing it on a phone. I'm playing it on a tablet. Okay. So... And I've been, it's been, it's been fine. Okay. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff for the New Year's as well. Um, and yeah, for the shows, we, undecided next week because it's smack dab between Christmas and New Year. Um, I'm not sure if you just want to take the week sly and then we have an extra week to just either arrange a Zibia or any of that fun stuff. Um, I think we should probably just take a week for the holiday season. I think that's probably yeah. the best call. It's Come back Krima, plus your birthday. Plus your birthday. Yeah, but I don't, don't care about that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't care about that. Um, so, yeah, we're probably we're going to take next week off. Probably going to come back with Arizivia just in time for us to forget everything. Uh, and then we'll see about the rest of January. We have a few other show ideas that uh, we need to act upon. And uh, then we February's expansion announcements. I mean, they haven't told us their expansion announcements, but it, it's expansion. Come on. Come on. That's it. It's about that time. Yeah. It's, it's, come on. Yeah. It's expansion. It's past time. It's past time. It's way past time. Uh, we need some so, teasers. Come on. We've been in content drought for so long. We just got a new patch. 
Kia. <laughs> before that, I mean, before that. How Kia. how many? How long did we have to suffer through verse? Come on. You, I refuse to do it all those extra weeks. I just said, fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play something else while I wait. I didn't have to suffer through shit. Uh, maybe 16 news also. If they said next year, would you get some 16 Ooh. news? It's also, you know, you know, maybe some 7 remake part 2 news will start creeping in. Or maybe, maybe SMT5. No, not that one. That's fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I saw Sly's look and I had to, I had to do it. It'd be some shit of it. Like, SMT5 news comes before 16 or 7 remake. It would be a surprise. Again, it would. <laughs> okay. It would. With that, we're going to go into a very short post show because we had another long show this week. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We will see you next week. And I should have delayed more time because I did forget to do something before the start week of the after. show. I didn't change the outro scene. I knew I was forgetting something, so their names aren't on it, but I can fix that. And I'm still, we're going to go to the outro, and I'm going to fix it in the outro. So, Ethis, see, Ethis, he's not here. So, pretend that's not on the screen right now. And instead, oh, that's a banana, shit. Uh, no, I need... Uh, that, that's correct. That's no, correct. That's, no, that's not. Stop. Stop. You don't see that. Ethis isn't here. He's he's on the moon somewhere. Uh, we've got uh, outro done. Bam. Okay, so thanks for joining us, guys, and we'll, we'll see you guys after the New Year's. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays.